First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been pushing to defund Israel's Iron Dome defense system. What is the Iron Dome defense system? Well, it is a system of anti-rocket rockets. When rockets are launched from Gaza or other places, the Iron Dome tracks those missiles down and destroys them in the air. It is a defensive system to protect Israel from terror attacks. For that reason, or for whatever reason, I don't know, for whatever reason, AOC wanted to defund this. $1 billion taken out of the budget bill so that Israel would not get funding to build their defensive system. Well, it went to a vote. And unsurprisingly, 420 people voted yes to fund the Iron Dome. That is bipartisanship right in front of your eyes. AOC began crying. I think this is important because it shows you, uh, look, I know a lot of people are probably like, oh, Tim's just ragging on AOC. You know, it really does show you that this progressive world or whatever it is, this worldview is fake. That AOC has so much support all over the country and all of this money. And she's so popular with all these followers. And that position held by her and her followers is like defund the Iron Dome. And then basically everyone in Congress is like, yeah, we're we're not going to do that. That's insane. And she starts crying over it. She is nowhere near the average American. She represents a fringe minority. And this is the perfect example. And her behavior is a perfect example. But there is really, really big news as well. Gas shortages, driver shortages, becoming gas shortages, becoming natural gas shortages, my friends. I hope you're paying attention to this, but we do have a bunch of other news and updates we'll get into. We are being joined today by a political activist, somebody with experience in biological research, I suppose. Malcolm Flex. Mm -hmm. How's it going, man? You want to introduce yourself? Oh, don't mind if I do. Yes, so uh, I actually go by Malcolm Flex, and pretty much I am what you would call a mishmash of a bunch of different recurring tropes and themes all rolled into one package. But one of the most salient themes that a lot of people see on my social media is that, yes, I do work in research and biological of the sort, which has pretty much become in vogue, you know, given the recent events that, you know, we'll probably delve into. So know a lot about scientific method, about research, all, you know, all of that good jazz that people are now saying that we should trust blindly, even though it's antithetical to science. But hey, we can get yeah. into it. And general news. I'll have a good conversation. Should be oh fun. my God. I love general news. Good Lord. It's a break, but yeah. All right. Right on, man. Thanks for coming. We got Ian. He's hanging out. Actor, musician, social media entrepreneur coming at you. What's up? Oh, Talent stack, I like baby. That. I yeah. love it. Good to see you again, brother. Awesome. Hello, everyone. Here we are. Yeah, and I'm going to try to keep the mood a little bit light because Malcolm loves to deliver black pills and Tim is not the cheeriest <laughs> commentator himself. So The end is here. A man of the people. Good. That's right. Yep. Everybody's down, I know. Mm-hmm. But. Before we get started, recognize the end is here and all this. I'm kidding. Go to <laughs> TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. However, we're actually about to launch the Green Room Show surprisingly uh, soon because this is when the guests show up and there's a few minutes where they're chilling. They're at the bar in the green room. 
And we film these conversations that are fairly random. And I think it's really fun. So we're going to, those are about 15 minute segments that will be up exclusive for members and they'll exist nowhere else just so that there is more content we can produce for you. And we got the mysteries show. We're waiting for the music to be completed, but we're almost there. So that should be about a week or so, perhaps, hopefully, fingers crossed. And you'll get an ad free experience on all of our articles. You'll be supporting our fierce and independent journalism. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show, take that URL, share it wherever you can, help support the show by do, uh, by word of mouth. Let's read the news. My friends, this story from the Daily Mail is a really good example of our political dysfunction. AOC bursts into tears as Iron Dome's $1 billion funding is overwhelmingly approved in-house, 420 votes to nine. Rashida Tlaib is accused of anti-Semitism by fellow Democrat after she called Israel a violent apartheid system. Nine. Nine. That's what AOC represents. She got 12 million followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The, this is what you need to understand. I'm, I'm going to start off and I'm going to give you the hard facts and then we'll talk about this stuff. AOC does not represent her district. AOC represents fringe political individuals across the country who funnel money into her district, which she uses as a vehicle to sit in Congress. I'm not saying that as to disparage her character, but to point out her ideas probably don't fly in her own district. The things her district cares about, they probably don't know what she's talking about. But as Nancy Pelosi said, you could take a glass of water with a D on it and it's going to win in Nancy or AOC's district. That's what Nancy Pelosi said, my or her district. So what happens is there's no real Republican competition. There's no strong primary. AOC has too much money from external sources. The same is true for other squad members. Their politics are popular with fringe political groups, but a fringe political group is still substantive when they can coalesce online and funnel funding to politicians like AOC. This manifests in AOC wanting to defund Israel's defensive system. The Iron Dome isn't bombing children. It's protecting Israel from rocket attacks. Now, by all means, criticize Israel for, for all that stuff. I'm just saying, Iron Dome, that's the job it does. If you want to defund Israel or something like that, why take away the Iron Dome of all things? Well, that's what AOC tried to do. And as you can see, overwhelmingly, like, I mean, beyond overwhelmingly, you get to see that AOC is shown what her politics really represent. Nobody. Now, I will say, there are a lot of conservatives, libertarians who are pointing out, yeah, but we shouldn't be funding the Iron Dome. Why is the U.S. giving a billion dollars to Israel for this? And um, my attitude is not, uh, you know, I'm actually partially in agreement with that. I actually think it's a great argument. Why are we funding all this stuff? Even South Korea, even in Germany. That being said, and we can discuss this, it represents that AOC is not in alignment with where most people in this country are when they think about providing support to our allies. Now, people can certainly say Afghanistan is bad, but Israel's a different story. It's an ally of the United States in in, in a war-torn Middle East that provides stability and people support that. Whether you agree with Americans' foreign policy or not, I think we we can see here perhaps uh, just good evidence. Aside from like all the stories where you see the media lying, there's another good example of how broken our political system is. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts you want to well, jump I, in. I, I saw, uh, I think it was around Occupy Wall Street that uh, something came out and said the Congress is like doesn't do what the American people want. They oh. do what their business associates want. So I think mm-hmm. that this mass of 460 to 9 vote or whatever isn't necessarily indicative that the American people want it, but that the politicians and their business contracts want it. Mm-hmm. I I somewhat agree with you. Uh, it is it is true that uh, Congress, typic- like public opinion typically does not move con- congressional votes. 
But I got to say, man, I do think the majority of Americans want to make sure Israel's not blown yeah. off the face of the earth. That's a big, that's definitely a big sticking point, especially just even when you look at moderate Democrats. I mean, they still have a healthy respect for Israel. And, you know, there is still a very big religious sect uh, section of our country. And, you know, Israel holds this specific significance, you know, whether or not you want to debate against that or you want to debate for that. A lot of people are. Israel's still near and dear to them. Now I have the question though for AOC. Why do you want to see brown people get blown up? Hmm. Like why? Mm-hmm. And again, it's just it's just a it's it's a mindless talking point. It is. Like there there's a legitimate talking point in why are we providing funding, you know, to these foreign like we should America first is an argument, right? Yeah. We should fix the pipes in our own cities and, and the streets and the infrastructure before we But then there's the like there is there's a legitimate argument for the Middle East is horribly mm-hmm. destabilized. Israel is a stable nation. They're an ally. Yes. I get the argument on the libertarian stuff about fun, you know, funding and foreign policy stuff. Okay, I get that. But we're not talking about sending in troops. We're not talking about, uh, um, you know, occupation. We're talking, we're not talking about allowing them, giving, selling weapons to the Saudis. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Iron Dome. Now, if you want to talk about Israel being bad in terms of how they, what, what's going on with Gaza yeah. and the missile strikes, I'm fairly moderate on this one. I do think the real, Assad. the, yeah. I think the real argument comes from the libertarian position, not necessarily just uh, uh, right wing, just the general. Why are we focused on foreign excursions? The founding father said we shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, and we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair point. Most Americans, I think, recognize that we have international allies and that Israel is particularly vulnerable with all of these different places in yes. the Middle East that want to blow it up. So we provide them with military support. And out of $3.5 trillion, a billion isn't as much. Mm-hmm. I got to say, if you come to me and you, and you tell me that they want to do $12 million for Pakistani gender studies, I'll be like, that's insane. <laughs> if they say, we think there should be a missile defense system for Israel, I'm like, well, that I understand. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit of a milquetoast fence sitter on this one. There's a foreign policy argument versus a supporting your allies argument. The point is... AOC doesn't represent, like, doesn't what? doesn't represent America on this on, in this regard. I, I think she doesn't represent America on most anything. She represents she the fringe minority. There. She doesn't even go there. I mean, it's a odd position to have. Number one, that you know, it's a defensive system, as you've reiterated time and time again. Why do you not want a nation to be able to at least defend itself? You okay? You can take the side that you want that you side with Hamas. You think that a lot of people over there on that side have been basically disenfranchised by the Israeli government. And again, that's the conversation to be had. But at the same time, why do you want to basically disarm a group and allow them to be vulnerable to more combat, more injuries and proliferate the same warfare that you complain about Israel, uh, you know, just engaging in that's a, that's a big issue. So I'll, I'll say this too, Ian, like, I definitely agree with you on the politicians are just supported by their, their big corporate donors and, and, and the political action committees. What do you think would happen if we defunded the Iron Dome? Oh, there, you'd probably see more attacks on Israel, I would imagine. I mean, that's a vague way of saying what might happen. And what will those more attacks result in with no defensive capabilities? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, like death and destruction of the infrastructure. I think it's really of the kind infrastructure? of infrastructure. Yeah, the infrastructure. You mean the people will start getting killed? Mm-hmm. Death, death, and destruction of yeah. the infrastructure. It's it's kind of it's kind of like a pie in the sky, kind of an ignorant thing to be like. If we stop funding it, then it'll go away. Mm. I mean, you see what cutting things out, cold turkey did over there in Afghanistan, right? Again, you can say what you want. Yeah, we shouldn't have been over there, but now that we're in it, again, you cannot just leave it worse than you you know worse than you came in and that's the problem that felt like it was on purpose yeah Mm -hmm. again yeah i know you said it multiple times they're punishing the anti-war people they're like 
hey this is what happens when america doesn't get involved people kill themselves stuff there, happens a lot of really great questions wrote uh, have arisen recently which is really things are getting kind of weird right so first people were saying oh we shouldn't be in afghanistan what about south korea Mm-hmm. Or why are we there? And I'm like, that's actually a good point. Like, I understand why we're there because North mm-hmm. Korea, there's still a war. Yeah. And because they love to just trample in. And they need support. It's a good question. You know, we went there because of basically the Cold War, these proxy wars. And why are we in Germany? Now that mm-hmm. Donald Trump asked, and we all agreed, why yeah. are we in Germany? <laughs> like, let's get out. <laughs> so Afghanistan, I, I get the idea of like protecting Afghanistan. But all of a sudden people started saying, hey, wait a minute. If we shouldn't be there, should we be in these other places? And I think a lot of these places, the answer is no, we shouldn't. I think the answer for Afghanistan, no, we shouldn't. However, I think the answer for Afghanistan was don't abandon Bagram Air Force Base and provide mm-hmm. logistics so that the, the Afghan army can maintain defense of their cities and not let them fall so quick. And then lie about it after mm-hmm. they're sitting up here begging you, begging you for your air capabilities. Just, mm-hmm. a, just a little bit, just a smidgen, maybe a drone strike here. You know, hold, <laughs> hold off the bad man. For, for once, you, Joe Biden, for once when you're being asked. Ran off strike. on the plug he at pulled, midnight. He, he did the drone strike, but he killed kids. Yeah, and I'm like just 10, like right? ten people. Mission accomplished. Righteous strike, guys. Righteous strike. We people, did it. We were kids. we yeah. were asking you to 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 use your military military capabilities against the guys who are who are executing <laughs> the Afghan soldiers, not the kids in the building in the <laughs> urban environment. What is so? Look, it's the Democratic Party, man. I'm sorry, they're a disaster in this yeah. in this regard. You know what else is crazy though is. One of the other things that's coming out of this political space with the overt tribalism is now we've even got, I think in Florida, they're questioning all vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. Where they're basically like, someone said, oh, well, you, you're you saying no vaccine mandate for COVID, but what about mumps? And the guy went, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, let's get rid of the vaccine. <laughs> and then everyone's like, wait, wait, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So too much I, too fast. We're opening doors that should not be open. And again, it's just... The Democrats are pushed there. You know, they're treading on sacred spaces that, you know, we have had long-standing traditions for. And now they're over here trying to erode those traditions. And it's starting to cause a lot of people to ask questions like, okay, so why are we, why are we doing it this way if mm-hmm. you're saying that this doesn't work? And the truth is they don't have an internal layer of consistency behind the reasoning. It's partisan politics at its finest. And it's something that you get when you don't have two healthy wings. You don't have a healthy Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that. Yeah. And the Republican Party is finally reforming under this new populist base. So what ends up happening is that when one wing is not healthy, it's going to try to choke the other. It's It's going to fall. Yeah. And then what do you get? You get single party politics. People like AOC that sit up here and start pushing these fringe beliefs because, again, they need to, you know, they got to say something. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Well, look at um, you, you look at some of these news stories. Like today there was a story about Steve Bannon. And all these leftists are like, Steve Bannon admits to planning the insurrection. And then you actually watch it, and Steve Bannon's like, on January 5th, I was talking about Trump to help organize a rally. And I'm like, oh. And they took that, and they turned it into him saying, like, them saying he planned the insurrection. And then you get Lawrence Tribe being like, why isn't the DOJ acting? He's confessed. It's criminal code, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they, they, they don't know that the FBI said there was no insurrection, or they're just idiots. Hmm. Now imagine this. A group of people who don't know what's going on, who believe all this fake news and false framing, then going and voting on policy. Yep. They, For AOC, she got a cold wake-up call. 
Like, hey, guess what? You're in a cult. People don't want this. Look, I don't like the foreign intervention in forever wars. Israel's different. I'm, 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 it's, it's a, that's a rock and a hard place for me because I understand the libertarian argument of like, let's not just give funding to Israel. What's the point? And then also, we're not asking for a military occupation. We're not asking for an invasion. Mm-hmm. We're just saying like, these other countries want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Okay, they can get a missile defense system. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that idea, but I'm also not in the position where I'm going to be as strong as I was in Afghanistan or these other countries mm-hmm. and be like, pull out all U.S. support for weapons and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you do? Again, you're already in it. You got you to gotta actually go win it. But can I just say one thing? We need our top meme makers to get on it. <laughs> Make a meme of AOC crying with 420 in the background. <laughs> do it. Yes. This is for American history. We need this. Come on, guys. Absolutely. Dude, I, I, I like, she's legit crying. <laughs> no, I'm not even playing. Like, look at this. Oh. So she's like, Being she's crying. I, that's crazy to me, man. Oh, God. This Israel thing is, is so wild. This Israel thing. The country of Israel. Then there's like the Jewish population. And it's like a, a Jewish state, I think. So it's like a theocratic state, which is very unique in the world. There's not a lot of them anyway. It's very, very. And then you go back to the Sykes-Picot Agreement and the Balfour Declaration after World War One or during World War One, where they kind of set up Israel, yeah, the French Ian, and the British. I got I to stop you right there. Theocrat- theocratic uh, countries, like the majority of countries. Yeah, like a, a religious they government, state, they they're hardline. Yeah, they do, it, they do exist, but they're not. I guess not unique, but uncommon. It's mostly no, no. Most no, no. states aren't religious states. Yeah, they are. They actually are. America's particularly unique in that. Well, Russia's not. Uh, Spain's uh, not. Africa, I think you're wrong. Libya's. I, I not. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Weren't we founded on deism or like um, just the the having the ability to question, but knowing that there is a power? I can't quite remember. We're not that. a Christian state. Uh, what is what I mean? Like it's a Jewish I mean, state. It's it's like a Jewish state. Well, they are the only Jewish state, but there are tons of Middle Eastern countries that are like Muslim states. Like a lot, mm. lot, lot of them. I don't know about yeah. Asian. Well, like um, lots of Asian countries yeah. as well. There's some Muslim Asian countries. There's India is like um, Buddhist, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. This, the religion. the Indian subcontinent is, is very religious, but I know Far East Asia. You know, they're a little bit interesting because yeah, they are very like technocratic they're they're moving beyond a lot right. of unified religion and i mean you just have too many religious practices there anyways that you can't have a unified state religion right right and that's it's not a problem i mean it, it what sometimes i think what confuses is that judaism is a religion but Ju- judaism is also a, a bloodline right. so that's identity. unique in all religions there's no other religion where you're like a christian by blood yeah. it's always you choose to become that's- it true but i don't think the belief structure of the people in israel is the issue here and i wonder if i wonder if part of the strong reaction to what aoc wanted was because of what happened when we pulled out of afghanistan you know in a way it kind of is because the jewish population maybe not needed but they didn't have a a place to live they were like persecuted throughout time for whatever reason and so they they needed a place to find to to live to settle and it was either going to be in northeast africa and then they decided to move it to where it is today i got a i got uh, an update fact check um 80 countries have a state religion out of 195 countries in the world. Well, so I would okay. I would argue Less, it's fairly yeah, yeah. yeah. almost Perfect. almost almost half, half. Yeah. almost half. half. So maybe maybe uncommon is a little but unfair, really makes but it, not completely. Right. What makes it unique is that it's a culture and a religion. That's yeah. very unique. Judaism is. is incredibly unique. Um, 
I when you look at the way it was formed, basically the British and the French betrayed the Arabs to form it. So the Arabs have had this stick about mm. I want that land. You told us we yeah. could have that yeah, land. You're, 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 land. land. You're, you're treading on on thin ice, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Look Ooh. up the Sykes Pico Agreement. So the Arabs betrayed the Ottomans in World War One, and that's how basically the Allies won the war. The, the mm-hmm. French and the Germans, or the the British and the French won the war, and the the French and the British promised the Arabs that area. Through if the they would, nations, right? Uh, I, maybe yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. And and then so when they they won the war, the Arabs betrayed the Ottomans and our side won. And then they they you know they said sorry, we're we're not going to give you that land now. And so the Arabs are like, it's a hundred years later, and they're yeah. still like, it's you you said it was ours. It's give an it important to us. part for a lot I, of here, here, Here's what here's what I say to most people. Right there's 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 really interesting challenges when you have older generations making political arguments off experiences the younger generations don't have. I I grew up in a world where there's the Israeli Palestinian conflict. It's a it's literally there's war going on. And everybody wants to make justifications for why some one country should should have control of this land or that country or this land or this state agreement, two state agreement, one state agreement. And I'm like, yo, I wasn't alive for most of this. Mm-hmm. And over time, there's attrition in the conflict was started by people who are long since dead. Yeah. And we're now at a point where you can make any argument in the world you mm-hmm. want for land ownership. But throughout history, it's people and land are conquered. And I'm not a fan of war. And I'm not a fan of of uh, provocation and aggression, but at this point, I don't know. Nobody and so, knows. so right now, it's just like, yo, stop fighting. Hey, get a missile defense system so you can stop the missiles. It's kind of like the monkey. It's kind of like the monkey in the ladder thing. You know, something becomes tradition. Originally, the tradition had a pragmatic purpose, but then at some point, people just constantly repeat that tradition yep. over and over and over again until the original meaning was lost, even if it doesn't exist. But now the question I have is, if you support Israel, but you're also fairly, you know, conservative, does that mean that you support a post-national authority making such a big ruling such as this land should be ceded to the Israeli? Because that's what the League of Nations is. And we fought against post-national authorities like, again, like um, the EU, you know, that whole deal, trying to have this whole one world order type of thing. That's what they tried to establish back in the day. And, they're still you know, they're doing. They're still. I yeah. mean, they still want to. So, do you support that? Because that's the that's basically the argument that I hear a lot of times when they say that you support Israel's right to be a country. You say that post national authority that's long gone, long dissolved, supersedes anybody else's claim to that land. You know, we got this. This is this is a much too complicated subject Ooh. for like you know. Well, I would say I don't support post national authority, but. Israel is a country now. It's there. So we can't pretend like we're not deciding whether or not we're going to create it anymore. It's there. It's like Afghanistan. We shouldn't have just pretended like it never happened and disappear. We can't do that with Israel. Israel's a real place. We got to treat yeah. it like it. Well, there and there are challenges with the West Bank. <clears throat> yeah, because Palestine is supposedly is a real place, you know? But I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have enough knowledge. Yeah. We, and, you know, I'll get flack if I'm like, hey, the West Bank and the illegal settlements, what's up with that? And then I'll get two completely distinct arguments, two di- completely distinct sets of facts and i'm like this history is so deep-seated hmm. that you can't you, you you can actually look up historical sources that will contradict another historical source yeah. and it becomes impossible exactly too, For too me, many motivations uh we just have to let it play out and hope and you know depending on your religious predilection pray that there's some kind of peace there i would pray for religious tolerance among the the arab or what is it the the judea the judaist populate the jude the jewish population and then who the Arabs are Muslim, is yeah, Muslim Islamist, population. Yeah. Like the United States is so wonderful with our religious, you know, congruency that I, I would love to see that there. I, in Israel, yeah. it's like I, I've been to Tel Aviv. 
you walk around, everything's like it feels like America almost. I mean, obviously people mm-hmm. are speaking Hebrew, and I couldn't speak a lick of Hebrew, so I was unable to like shop. But I'm walking around, and it was just like people going to malls, and you know, there was like food carts and stuff. It was just fairly urban and sec- like I, I, I say secular in the sense that people wore regular clothes like you'd yeah. experience in any any major city. Mm-hmm. I've been to Egypt, and when there, when I was at the Hilton, they had a casino. And Egyptian citizens are, it's illegal for them to enter. Mm. Mm. I've been to Morocco. Saying, like, they, they have these laws. It's very, very, very different. So, uh, you, you go to Israel and, and a lot of people are like, it's a very secular place in the middle of a lot of religious theocracy. I feel like that's almost a proto- prototype. And I know there was a lot of financial interest when it came to Afghanistan, but I feel like that was kind of the prototype for what we were trying to set up in Afghanistan. You know, minus, again, Halliburton and all the military contractors and, again, setting up that whole Cutter Turkey pipeline deal, you know, having staging area over that way. Well, how about we move on to a different subject? Speaking yes. of the Cutter Turkey pipeline, <laughs> see, that's a good one. A lot of people don't know a lot, a lot about the pipeline. Uh, the Cutter Turkey pipeline is basically the basis for what's what, um, the U.S. involvement in Syria. Mm-hmm. I love bringing it up because people need to know this. The U.S. has been preparing to invade Syria going back well before the Syrian civil war. They wanted to have Cutter build a pipeline up through Syria, through Turkey, into Europe to offset Russian gas monopolies. And Syria said, we will not betray our ally, Russia. So then the U.S. is like, we're going to destabilize Syria, mm-hmm. and then they won't be allies anymore. Proxy and wars. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We needed access to Europe, and Syria was in the way. And then Russia and Syria said, we're going to have Iran tap the same gas well and then send the, the pipeline through Iraq. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow. Basically, the U.S. had a plan, and they were like, we're going to undercut you. And the U.S. was like, war. Mm-hmm. But anyway, speaking of gas... We're in trouble, baby. We got this story from DW.com. BP limits UK petrol deliveries as driver shortage bites. The old company is set to restrict deliveries of petrol and diesel to some gas stations in the face of a driver shortage happening in the UK like we saw here in the US. A lack of drivers, a lack of stations. And then and then what we saw in the US was that the federal government comes out and they're like, there is no gas shortage. Mm. And then you're like, then why are all my gas stations empty? Oh, because your gas stations are empty, but we have gas nationally. And it's like, yo, that's a gas shortage. Mm. Like for me and my family and where I live. And then we get this from The Economist. Natural gas shortages threaten government's green goals. The US dollar is backed by energy, by oil, by fossil fuels. People need to understand that the comfort of their lives here in the United States is based on the fact that we print these dollars, we borrow this money, we can just manifest it, and we can buy oil with it. But with these energy shortages, you want to talk about crises? A food shortage is bad. What are you going to eat? But if we have the energy to produce, it could be an economic bump. But if we don't have the energy, if we don't have the drivers to transport it, yo, the long fall is coming soon, man. Mm-hmm. Addicted to electricity? I remember I, mean, I said. Built upon it. Are we are we addicted to the chair like the, we sitting we sitting on chairs? I'm addicted to oxygen. No, no, but, no, but people say we're addicted. we're addicted to fossil fuels, and I'm like, no, fossil it's, fuels it's are the support beams which support our civilization that we've built upon. When we live in when we're in a skyscraper, we're like, it's unfortunate that we're addicted to these central steel columns. <laughs> no, that's just what we built to maintain the structure and te- structure. Yeah, I think electricity is a natural evolution of of our species. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It is, um, to a certain extent, I mean, again, electricity powers a lot of processes. You need electricity just as a mere means of converting, you know, energy. In, well, I, let, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do we make electricity in the United you States? Have to use, you do have to use gas. You've got to power certain mechanical apparatuses, and those run on chemical energy from gas. So uh, what do we do with the gas? I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. No, okay? no, no. It's, it's, Pretty it's, much you drill it. You uh, typically drill it. You uh, transport it via pipelines. It's got little substations, waste stations, and you get it to certain. But then what do we do mm-hmm. with the gas to get electricity? You don't have to know. Most people don't, right? Go ahead and tell me. So we uh, in, in, in gas factories, we will burn the gas to heat water. Right. which creates pressure and spins a turbine. Yeah. A large magnet and a rotating magnetic current creates an electric uh, a rotating rotating magnetic field will create will generate an electrical current. So, uh but natural gas isn't the only way, it's not the most prominent. I think uh coal is actually still the most uh, um the, the 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 plurality of how we produce energy. Uh do you know how we turn coal into electricity? Go ahead and tell me the process. All right, so we heated it we we set it on fire. And that energy out of the coal heats water, which creates pressure, and the steam pressure exiting, you know, the system mm-hmm. will spin a turbine. Large magnetics rotating will create an electrical current. So, do you know how solar farms uh, generate electricity? Or actually, this is nuclear power. You know, nuclear power. Yes. Now, nuclear power is one of the. That's actually one of the easier ones, where you actually split, say, a uh, subatomic particle. Again, it actually releases. It releases the alpha waves, the beta waves, but the gamma waves are high energy. And then you can actually contain that, and you know. How do we turn that nuclear reaction into electricity? The rods are sitting in water, which boils, steam pressure, then spins a turbine, Mm -hmm. a large magnet. Mm -hmm. All right, now solar farms. This is my favorite. I love this. Now there's two kinds. To be fair, but early solar farms were giant arrays of mirrors. Focusing sunlight on large water? vats of, I believe, salt water, oh. which pressurize to spin a turbine. Yo, the way we make electricity in this country is figuring out ways to boil water. I'm sensing it. I was just about to say, theme. I'm sensing the theme. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's salt, molten salt. They'll, they'll, thorium mirror, salt reactors. Yep. They'll boil oh, yeah. salt, and it'll stay hot for days, so you yeah, get heat all night. Conductive. And then you can boil the water with it. We do now have photovoltaic solar fields, which it actually, the, the photon hits an electron causing it to move generating a current mm-hmm. and so once we get to a certain level of, effic- of, of efficiency but the simplest way to put it is we generate like electricity by spinning turbines getting a large magnet to spin creates a current so we have tidal energy this is really really cool when the tide comes in it the pressure against the generators spins turbines you got geothermal the natural right. gas from the vents spins a turbine you got wind literally just wind spinning a turbine so we're just trying to make things spin that's how that's we do it basically yeah. the mecha- that's the mechanical process right there exactly mm-hmm. so i'm not trying to put you on the spot it's no, just no. most people most people don't know cuz they don't look into it mm-hmm. and you ask someone like how does solar energy work and they're going to assume photo- photovoltaic which is true that that's a fair you ask them about nuclear and they'll tell you about a nuclear process you say coal will say we we burn the coal it's like but what does that process mm-hmm. do so i'll tell you where we're at People don't understand what life was like before all this energy. 
this Extinction Rebellion group, Greta Thunberg. You want to go back to 1850? I mean, we have, we still had fuels back then. Go back to when our number one source of fuel was wood. Hmm. And then you're chopping down trees. You're chopping them up. You're burning them for heat and for smelting and stuff. And you will see a life you do not want to live. Now, I'm not saying it's not a life worth living. I think working in the fields with your bare hands Good. and having a cow or a bull pull the, the, you know, the thing to till the fields, the till or whatever it's called. Today, we have such an abundance of all this energy. Gigantic robots do all the farming, and we sit back in our lounge chairs eating our ho-hos and our Papa John's, mm-hmm. watching the football game. That is coming to an end. More calories and more calories in and calories out, but that changes. And, yeah, we built too much of a society around, you know, it's like when you scale up, eventually you have to, say, create new processes that can help you mass-reduce energy, mass-reduce everything, and, you know, again, keep going. But what happens if that energy source gets cut, cut off? You're left with a bunch of useless machinery That's right. that you can't even run. And here's, and, and here's the scary thing, all right? We built an infrastructure on, on this chemical process, notably like diesel and gasoline. If we lose that for whatever reason, these machines, we don't, we, we, we don't, we, we have, what do we do? Like if you have a worker in the field and he's got a, a shovel, and then that worker moves or passes, you find a new worker. Mm-hmm. The tool can still be instantly applied to another person. But if we lose our principal source of energy, fossil fuels, we have an entire technological infrastructure that doesn't adapt to any kind of other energy. Now, we can start to adapt it. Like, let's say if we start using hydrogen cells and we power things, we do electric vehicles, electric farming equipment, which I'm sure they do a lot of, probably because I think well, I'll say this. Tesla is not profitable is my understanding. The Tesla mm-hmm. cars, mm-hmm. only profitable because there were tax subsidies. Now they're now that those have expired, it's no longer pl- profitable to make these vehicles unless they jack the price up. So if tomorrow, you know, we're looking at these gas shortages across the U.S. and in the U.K., if tomorrow all of a sudden there's no gas, people can't drive, buses can't run, machinery can't work, everything we do is stopped, and then we go back, what, 70 years and have to restart our infrastructure on other energy systems or whatever. You can't do it. And then even the transition, you're going to have to double your production of whatever, you know, you're basically going ahead and replacing it with because you have to have enough to keep production of, let's say, the batteries that you're going to power electric vehicles. You've got to literally have enough batteries to power what you're using to replace. I know this sounds uh, super, you know, it sounds super circular, but to what you're using to actually replace the means of producing the batteries, you gotta eventually transition those off. So you're yeah, gonna, and you how do you get the the lithium? You lose it. Yeah, that's the. So people one. don't get man. You lose the like, energy. We're gonna we're gonna build a bunch of electric vehicles, and it's like, oh yeah, what machines do you use to get the lithium out of the ground? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, we use gas powered and diesel powered. Uh. It'd be cool <laughs> to start uh, fusing hydrogen, helium, and making lithium. Maybe that does happen. that work. Well, that's the next, it's element three, so I would imagine, yeah. I don't know if they do it at scale. Probably not, I would imagine. Fusion creation. I know they do, um, they, make, they can make diamonds mm-hmm. by uh, put seeding carbon and then having a ga- neon gas or something works. Yeah, yeah I think I science agree. can save us. I think uh, that, that's why I like the original idea of the Green New Deal. I'm like, that sounds cool. You know, we, we allocate taxes towards uh, building new energy infrastructure. Could help make America energy independent. Energy independence means a wealthy and strong America. And then I'm like, I like the sound of this. And then AOC comes out and says, the Green New Deal. And I'm like, okay. And then she goes, is free college for people who aren't white and healthcare? And I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. That's Paul Dixon in a nutshell. Yeah, right? Good idea. Poor execution. Fizz.org. Mm-hmm. Researchers simulate compact fusion power plant concept. I mean, we are 
there, dude. Fusion, fusion, fusion. Where know, is man. the media talking about fusion? Why do they want to sell this oil so much? Too complex. I mean, return on energy investment yeah. is substantially higher than what we can predict out of fusion. Mm-hmm. So and it's portable. You know, oil's portable. Coal is. You portable. take a look at uh, what's called energy return on energy invested, and oil is the best. I think actually, I think nuclear is the best, but the left hates nuclear, nuclear power, power, so we can't get it. I know the, the problem is the, the word nuclear because fission yeah. historically was pretty dirty, but fusion is a completely different process. I, they shouldn't call it them this both nuclear. Yeah, but we're it? not there with fusion yet. There's Will we still, ever be? We've uh, always been like five years away since right. like the 80s. Because like, how do you take it from pre-production to actual production, you know, for the big time if you still have these challenges? That's the question that you actually have to ask with fusion. Like what yeah. challenges? So typically with fusion, I think that to reliably it's uh, kind of like what Tim said, you know, when you actually deal with like energy costs, like it's an extremely expensive process. I think I remember if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken with fusion where they actually use magnets and they actually force the molecules together and again, or they actually force the uh, subatomic particles together and it releases the energy. But I think that it just takes so much energy to actually do that, that. Right. Again, you're so going to lose out. They'll your do net. like heavy water, which is called deuterium mm-hmm. oxide. It's it's a uh, hydrogen H2O, but the hydrogen has an extra neutron, so it's heavier. And they put it inside of a palladium lattice, and then they 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 do something. I think they electrify the palladium, and it causes the whereas hydrogen is so light, it will fly away oh, from itself amazing. when they aim it. But because the heavy water is heavier, they can ram it into itself and create helium. That's one way they can do tabletop mm-hmm. fusion. And then what happens, I guess, is the system causes some kind of like vibration that they have to figure out how to capture. Mitigate. So right now what's happening is they've reached ignition, but that's like, you ever try and start a fire with a torch and you're holding the torch on the wood and the wood starts on fire, but then as soon as you take the torch off, the fire goes away. You need to get the energy levels to enough where it's self-sustaining and we're not there yet. So fusion sounds fantastic, but nuclear energy is probably our, our, our path out of this. The only problem is... You've got an activist left that won't let us do it. Fission, yeah. There's yeah. Three Mile Island and what else? The Russian nuclear plant. Substantially, substantially more people have died from coal mining than mm-hmm. from nuclear energy. And I get it. Fukushima is really, really bad and had devastating consequences. We probably won't even know about for a long time. But that just means we need better safety standards. Yep. It means we better better adaptation for nuclear technology. People seem really afraid of, of the unknown. And when it comes to nuclear, you can't see the radiation, whereas coal, you can kind of like see the smoke so you know what it is. But with like COVID, for instance, you can't see it. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. with radiation, you can't see it. So there's this like fear about the things you can't see. And that's like, the tough part. Is it in me or is it not? I don't know. So that's even worse. Well, I mean, we've, uh, you know, we predicated a whole society on surviving based on calculating the unknown to the best of our ability. And so, again, when you kind of step outside of that and you leave it to chance, you know, especially with something like energy and, you know, nuclear energy to begin with, you know, if you fail to safely dispose of those rods when you're doing fission or, you know, you don't cool it properly again, you know, catastrophic circumstances. Do you really want to leave that to human error to one, you know, miscalculation or just, uh, let's say, a worker that's just very ambivalent about a job doesn't go through pro- protocol properly? I heard a crazy story once where, like, some diver got sucked into a nuclear cooling system intake tube, and he was swimming in the nuclear pool totally fine hmm. because radiation can't go through water. Uh. Yeah, so he was, like, at the top, and they saved him, and he was like, 
I had this theory about recovering nuclear waste. The corium is the core is called corium. It melts when there's a meltdown. It, it's it's producing so much heat, the heat's not getting out of the core, so it, it keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and then it just melts and it goes through the thing that's holding it down into the ground through the ground. But what I was thinking is if we put some sort of superconductive metal in it, then it would allow it to release its heat. So like gold. If you poured gold into a corium, then I would imagine that over time it would start to release its heat. And then you'd have this hardened corium gold thing, and then you could maybe retrieve the gold that maybe, way. Maybe there's some infrastructure utility company sitting there going, Ian has just solved <laughs> <No>. the problem. <laughs> we it. need to You've get done your research on it. Yeah, there's. I was looking at the temperatures of gold. Gold's a good one. There are other um, uh, platinum metals that might work as well. But, um, then, but you, you got to get in there. So you need like drones, and most of the drones, they've, they've power down when they get so close to that heat yeah but then what do you do with all the uh constantly destabilizing isotopes and all of that they're just constant you know they're they continue to fish they've, they've, they've been recycling uh this stuff i think like 99 percent recycled really yeah so like the technology that most people are complaining about when it comes to nuclear is from the 70s and we've greatly improved i mean i think thorium salt reactors have been prominent for some time people have been discussing the, the possibility they're, it's already melted like you're you're mentioning like melted salts or whatever so i mean seems like we have a path towards better energy generation to avoid fossil the, the problem of carbon emissions. But this is the strangest thing. You get these people like Greta Thunberg yelling, how dare you, demanding that we cut all fossil fuels. And we're like, I think nuclear energy would work. And they're like, no, you can't have that either. It's like, do you want me to live in the woods? I'll chop down trees. <laughs> That's exactly That's it. what they want. That's exactly it. They want us to go carbon negative. And I mean, the, the deal is... Again, there's no way to stop this whole climate change bugaboo that you that you want to let you go carbon negative, which basically means that you have to start destroying a lot of manufacturing because you can go carbon. Well, neutral. What do you think they're doing? It's unfortunate because you can withdraw. You can take the carbon out of the atmosphere and deposit carbon dioxide onto other metals like palladium and then create graphene oxide. So you can actually pull the carbon dioxide out of the air. We'll end up competing with trees if because I think we're going to start pulling the carbon out of the air. Yeah, we'll start mining the carbon out of the air, and then the trees are going to be like, "Hey, balance it out." We can't build an entire infrastructure around taking the carbon dioxide away. But that's better than destroying industry because we're going to have to learn how to make synthesize oil in other ways, like super pressurized Mm -hmm. dirt. We've done that. We've grown algae and then made petroleum from algae. Burn it off, recollect it. I was listening to this podcast. Called like what was it called like stuff you should know? No, what is it? I yeah, I think it's yeah. stuff you should know. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, I don't want to. That's I don't, a really I, big one. Yeah, and they were like, it's like three guys or something. And this was a couple of years ago. They were like, "What are we going to do when there's no more? You know, fossil fuels are dead dinosaurs. What do we do when there's no more?" And the one guy goes, "There's not going to be any more dinosaurs, dude." And I'm like, "Wow, people listen to this stuff." No I was, did you fossil guys- fuels are not dead dinosaurs? Please, please. <laughs> It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you guys hear about these nuclear batteries? They're taking uh, spent nuclear waste and putting it inside of carbon glass, like carbon diamond glass, and it's producing like they say you get like ten thousand years of electricity out of what? it. It sends these particles dude. out. And I'd, a, I'd have carbon. to see that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Let's see if I can pull this up. This came out last batteries year. Batteries that never die. Nuclear batteries. Really? It's all over. If you look up nuclear batteries, you'll see tons of stuff on it. Ten thousand years. So not never. In the grand <laughs> scheme, they'll be like they only last ten thousand years. We got to. <laughs> we live for nine hundred thousand, so it's not good enough. A new approach to carbon-free tech. And it recovers nuclear waste. That's one of the cool, cool. things about it. Mm. That sounds awesome. Now, the question I have to ask, though, is, again, is the carbon really as detrimental as they keep saying? Because I think they said back in, what was it, 2012, that we were past the anthropogenic tipping point of carbon to where there's no way we can recover. Everything's mm. set in motion and this, that, and third. So I have to ask my – I have to pause and just ask. And, again, I'm not an energy expert by, you know, by any means, but – haven't we already hit the point to where, you know, if something was going to happen based on all the carbon buildup in the atmosphere, like, aren't we there? And hasn't everything still been okay? And, you know, Obama's still buying the beachfront property mm-hmm. and all of that, you know, like, there's a certain level of trust that's been eroded in what these people are saying to where should we really be devoting a lot of energy towards, you know, all these emission standards when we cut our manufacturing, we cut our industry and then China is basically over there producing mm-hmm. all the dirty, dirty energy they want. And you can see the clear financial impetus for it. So, like, is it really that important? I got this website, Energy Live News. Never heard of it. Mm. But they say eternally charged smartwatches to become real with nuclear waste-powered battery wow. could last up to 28,000 years. They say the battery for the smartwatch will last eternally for its entire lifetime. We should have the smartwatch released within 18 months. Cool. Then you can put those in your car. You'll be able to put those. Maybe you could be able to stitch them into your clothing. Why couldn't you have a smartphone that just never died? Exactly. That to me, that's that's crazy if that's true. Yeah. Then they wouldn't make all the money uh, selling you the power blocks separately Mm -hmm. since they don't put them in the boxes anymore. So are they going to be able to contain the radiation so you don't die? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) These things are really cool. These nuclear batteries is a big deal. Dude, I got, I got, I mean, look, I got to make this call, get these dank tweets off. I can't be concerned about those minute, uh, you know, those minute <laughs> details, guys. Come it's on. way more important. So couldn't you just hook up like one of those batteries to the outside of your house? Because I know they were talking about Tesla batteries and I don't know if there's like a similar application. Theoretically, I mean, yes, you could. I don't know. You have to have a really, really big version. A smartwatch is tiny. Right. The nice thing is it power. encourages nuclear power because you're going to create more nuclear waste that you can convert into batteries after you're done with the power plants. Yeah. Is, is this kind of like what Tim said, you know, with the uh, with the example of, again, the use of turbines, all of our energy production methods just scale off of one simple theme that once we unlock it again, we can continue to just scale it up and innovate and turn it into something new. But, man, we're asking too many questions. The EPA is going to start knocking on our door, kicking <laughs> it. EPA, open up. I, as far as I know, these aren't steam. They, they, I think it's alpha. I think they release alpha particles that vibrate. You can look them up on a, on a Wikipedia. I know they give you a nice kind of a visual overlay of what happens inside the battery, how it, like, releases mm-hmm. these particles outside through the carbon glass, catches the energy. I'm not sure if it's using piezoelectricity or not. Whew. Sounds like an opportunity that we're not going to get to because... The left doesn't want nuclear power, so. Yeah. Come, expert, come. Join us. <laughs> Some progression. Yeah, what is it, big business? They're like, no, let's just stick with what we got, ride it out. But we're like, co- we're cool on that. You know, we could have infinite energy, but, you know, uh, I think we're it, okay. It, I'll tell you, it feels like what the left does, they accuse the right of all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they project. 
So the left has big business interests driving a lot of their agenda. And then they accuse the working class rural guy who's like, I want to vote for the guy who's going to end the opioid crisis. And they say, you're, you're working for big pharma. And it's like, I literally don't want people buying this medication while you're promoting massive no liability contracts. Bingo. Bingo. And I mean, again, you got to think about it. If you were an evil, well, not even evil. If you just wanted profit at all costs and you wanted everybody thrown off your trail and you have control of all of the mass media apparatus. Wouldn't you just project? Wouldn't you just, you know, publish falsities and say your enemies are doing that? Given right. how, you know, humans are devolving to the point where we're exhibiting a lot of tribal behavior, a lot of our primitive, you know, just urges we're kind of getting into and that whole tribal behavior of this other guy's wrong. We're right. We're going to fight you tooth and nail. You know, there's no, condu- there's no discussion in the middle. That's, yep. uh, that's what they're taking. Oh, advantage yeah. Of. Like, like I mentioned on the Russell Brand interview I did. He put up a segment about civil war and the comments were right wing people saying Tim Pool's a leftist and left wing people saying Tim Pool's right wing. Success. And I'm like, isn't it, isn't it amazing? There's, there's no middle. You're either yeah. with us or against us. Exactly. And that's where we're going. I will say though, you take a look at independent voters. I can, I, you know, I can have a conversation with, I'll, I'll throw it back to when I went to Sweden, you know, when Paul Joseph Watson was like, I challenge a journalist to go to Sweden or whatever. And I was like, I'll do it. And he was like, I was kind of just taking the piss. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And he's like, all right, I'll donate to your thing. And then, his whole attitude was very much like crime is really, really bad. And I said, well, it's not that bad. Um, it is worse. It's worse than it's been, but it's way worse than America. The thing is, it's relative. The people in Sweden, they saw one murder the prior year. Now it's 13. That To them, that's that's massive. I yeah. mean, that's a 1,300% increase. So they're Both freaking out. But it's not like there's a war zone going on. And the response from Paul on Enforce was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. Thank you, Tim. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do when the guys at Infowars are the ones being like, oh, well, how about that? Reasonable. And it's the people on the left being like, you're a liar and you're crazy and I won't talk to you. So it makes it impossible. I mean, look, I'll tell you this. We've we've invited a ton of lefties to come on the show. We mm-hmm. say it all the time. They won't do it. Mm-hmm. They just don't do crossovers. Not Maybe with some libertarians, but I guess, you know what I think it is? I think it's um, we fact check in real time. We have NewsGuard certified sources, which has a bias, but we use that specifically to be like, hey, we're using a bias source on purpose. Microsoft, mm-hmm. for instance. And uh, if any one of these people comes and sits down, they're going to get roasted. Yeah. Talking points don't work again. And unfortunately, the left is, you know, their whole deal is closing ranks. They hand down their ideas like doctrine, whereas I think the right is still kind of open source to it to a degree because the right goes by principles more that's so a, than doctrine. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Whatever the, the, the there's two factions and it's the centralized and the decentralized. Mm-hmm. That's that's really basically what it is. I mean, that's how the populists took over. And that's why, you know, the, the Democrats, you know, they're beating back the leftists with sticks. Yes, they capitulate every now and again because it's just trendy. And you've got these kids that don't know any better and they want to get them on board. But at the same time, you know, the right won their revolt and took over the Republican Party largely, even if it's just for show, even if a lot of the politicians, you know, you just you get. A lot of these old these old guard Republicans that are now adopting the whole populist message, but even if it's just for the show, trick primary them, get them out. Yeah, yeah. You want we, you, you want me to. to vote Republican? Okay, primary all these guys. Yes. Yeah, all of them. Mm-hmm. Get them out. And I, I'm pretty sure everyone on the, on the all the Trump supporters agree. Yes, mm-hmm. rhinos out. I, I do think it's fair to I think it's unfair to call them rhinos though, like, yeah. Republican in name only, because I'm like. 
the truth be told, the Republican, the Republican Party and the majority are do nothings. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's like the one or two guys, like mm. Rand Paul, maybe who's going to do something different. So he's the he's the one who's only Republican in name. He's yeah. more libertarian in principle. At the beginning of the show, I was thinking, I feel like American politics has is is different now. Like it's still the same suit, American politics, mm-hmm. but whoever's wearing it is like because we're in the age of social media and popularity contests now. Yeah. I don't think that term that these. Uh, endless terms work anymore it's too it's too easy to get super popular and then have like totalitarian control basically so we've really got to kind of you know reboot or reevaluate or, or transition there's probably a better word no, i get what you're saying and i mean it's happening to an extent the democrats they run their party in a very 90s to 2000s era kind of way that's why they focus on big media corporations and all that whereas the right has already evolved so the left is still the left's and I, when I say left, I don't mean the true left. I mean this neoliberal establishment. They are still operating in the Clintonian era where, you know, you go up, you get a celebrity to say some good things about you, and then, you know, you, you dance around for the camera, and then you go back to your dark room. But remember when Hillary Clinton was campaigning and she put on a southern drawl when she was in, like, Alabama mm-hmm. or wherever she was? Oh like, yo, we have the Internet. They're, back in the day, you could do that. I just, ba- back in the day, the politician could go to Chicago and be like, I'm just like you guys. I got a garage door opener just like you. And they could go to New York and be like, yo, you vote for me, and both of these guys are getting out, and I'm going to wipe <laughs> these guys out. And it worked. People would be like, hey, he sounds like me. Now, when you do that, they're like, why are you talking different? AOC mm-hmm. actually did it. Remember I, when I she like remember. she put on like a, a, a Spanish Oh, she put on a Spanish accent. Yeah. And oh, then people were like, yo, you don't you sound like that. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I wasn't putting on an accent. That's just because I'm bilingual. And it's like, dude, it, it, it worked when we were only newspapers. It would be like Hillary Clinton came and said these words. But if you actually heard it, she tries to imitate the people there. She did that in her campaign. Doesn't work. These are different times. You can't do that stuff. But they still think it's 20 years ago. Why? Well, Nancy Pelosi's what? She 80-something years old? How old is she? Mm-hmm. One, I think. Yeah. Diane Feinstein's 90, isn't she? At some, yeah. At some point, you know, these politicians, they reach their shelf life. And, <laughs> you know, I think the GOP, a lot, of the, a lot of the old guard politicians in the GOP are really about to probably bow out just because they, they see what the, the writing on the wall. And that it is good. But the issue is the right has a very big talent scouting program. Think about this. Or, I mean, a talent scouting it, or an issue with their talent scouting program where a lot of the people that you see come up on the right, you know, they don't get a lot of these people that are out on the forefront on Twitter making memes, spreading this information. A lot of these non-blue check but big name influencers, they don't scout those people. They get the interns, the people that work for somebody that they know to come up, the yes men. And that's who they put in. And these are anti-charismatic people. They don't quite understand or relate and it's like getting somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. You can say what you want about her Q stuff and all of that, but she's different. You know what I can't stand? Republicans, they all wear suits. Now, I, I get it. Democrats in Congress are wearing suits. But like conservatives, like mainstream conservatives show up to events wearing suits. 19-year-old kids wearing suits. I'm like, you are not relatable to no. a regular working class nobody, person. Nobody wants that guy. And it's like you have all this talent right here, but you keep on picking the same old, same old. And then you're wondering why you're getting stomped out by these people that are using Twitch streams and they're sitting up here, they're, they're reaching out to the kids and they're inspiring youth to become leftists. You know, I think a lot of people, conservative pop, that are really successful people that happen to be conservative go into business. They don't go into mm-hmm. politics. That's a, that's a big thing too. And you know, that's, that's honestly the cycle that politics should follow is that you should become very proficient in something else in life. 
And then once you've done that, once you've accomplished all that you want, then go into politics. That sounds pretty similar to what Trump did. Trump had already made his money. He had already become a business magnate. He had, you couldn't bribe him because he already had everything. So Mm -hmm. what do you want? He wanted the accolades of going into politics. And now when you have that motivation, you're not out here trying to sell out the highest bidder. You're not out here trying to wear a bunch of corporate brands. You're just trying to get your legacy. You know, you're just trying to get your legacy through. And that's why I didn't understand why they did not like this guy. Like it's an insurance policy. Trump gets in. If he does bad, his brand suffer. People remember Trump as, oh, you remember that guy that got in and he just ruined everything? Kind of like what we said about Joe Biden. Like Trump would not, he wouldn't allow that to happen. So that's why I just didn't get that. But that's the cycle that politics is is supposed to follow. But you miss Trump yet? I sure could go for some mean twits right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would take twenty mean tweets. Yeah. Fire them all. Prices. Yeah. You know he's looking good. Man. Yeah, he cut up with fast food. Didn't, didn't yeah, something like that. I remember 2019, man. Uh, best dude. economy. People were cheering. Best Jim Cramer was like, best numbers of our lives. COVID happened. I can't blame Trump for COVID. I know. You know, but I can't, you know, he was going along with it. He should have fired Fauci. There's a lot of things he could have done better, but, na- you know, it's a natural disaster of sorts. Part of it is. But under, under his, his administration, in the first few years, I mean, things were skyrocketing. Yeah. The economy was through the roof. Booming. Business was a booming. Now where are we? I mean, Trump didn't start any wars. He was trying to get our troops out of the Middle East. He, he made some absolute foreign policy mistakes, often often with drone strikes, military strikes, uh, missile strikes, commando raids, etc. But nothing but ever the, came out of them. But the past few, past the last couple of years, he was like, "It's pretty good." I'm like, "All right, you know, Donald Trump's got a potty mouth, but this ain't bad." And then when Joe Biden comes along, I'm like, mm, "I'll take the potty mouth." Plus, Trump's second term agenda was was legit. He had like school choice on there. Yeah. yeah. Now we're now we're we're nine uh, eight months in, and it's like. Democrats voted for this. We got the border crisis. We got the Afghanistan withdrawal problem. We've got an economic crisis. We've got the eviction crisis. We've got job shortages, fuel shortages, food shortages. Holy Joe Biden screwed all this. I won't blame him. The the economy was was on its way down, even though they they gave it that one last ride before they started printing the other. Like we were already at eighteen trillion in deficit. But the rhetoric around, but I mean, at that point, you know, the rhetoric around lockdowns definitely accelerated. It made it worse, Mm -hmm. and you know, again, there was nobody to take the DeSantis approach and just say, "Hey, guys, let's just let's stop this. Follow me. Trust me. Let's not lock down because that's going to kill us where we're at." And 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 there's a difference between the debt and the economy. The debt's a problem. It means, you know, we're going to see inflation. The government is overspending. It's overexerting itself. But when you have debt, the train is still moving. Mm -hmm. It's causing problems and it's bad. But when you just stop everything, that was the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Now, again, Donald Trump should have fired Fauci. Donald Trump was all about 15 days to slow the spread. But it was mostly Democrat governors who went hardcore. Trump does deserve some of the blame for the COVID response. Absolutely. Could have fired Fauci. He could have said no to a lot of the stuff. He thought he was doing something good. He was like, I'm going to race a vaccine out as fast as possible, everyone. Yay. Well, well that was that was Yay. part of the issue, though, that we took a vaccine-centered approach. Again, Trump's original idea with the uh, red and green zones or however they did it, again, just testing, rapid testing. That was a much better approach. Rapidly test the individuals, you know, make sure... Number one, the fact that we're still using PCR is just, you know, it's an affront because PCR doesn't detect whether or not you're carrying a viral load that you can actually transmit. A rapid test would be very much suited towards that because that basically gauges your load, whether or not you can actually give somebody COVID or you can't. And then you quarantine the people, basically tell them, hey, go ahead and do this. Stay away from these people and you keep everything moving. The fact is we took a vaccine centric approach approach where we want to lock everything down until we got vaccines well we got them well hold on 
We wanted to lock everything down for 15 days to slow the spread so hospitals didn't overload. Within 15 mm-hmm. days, it turned into just a couple more weeks. Mm-hmm. Then it turned, then it became just until we've stopped COVID. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, we'll get the vaccines. Don't worry. Once we have the vaccines, then we're, we're back to normal. Then we get the vaccines and they're like, okay, well, you still got to wear your mask if you get the vaccine. Then they were at the point where they're like, look, we need everyone to do weekly tests. And if you don't want to do a weekly test, get the vaccine. Now we're at the point where they're like, even if you've gotten the vaccine, you need a weekly test. That's at University of Arizona. Are they still doing PCR tests? Yes. And so this is like your expertise. You're saying these PCR tests are not accurate, not as well, accurate. Well, it's not that they're not as accurate. They, they, they get trace artifacts and they basically do a polymerase uh, chain reaction where they actually recreate the COVID particle using, using the other strand to the base pairing on that RNA. So they can tell if you've had COVID or if you, your body's reacting and you've got the antibodies, but they don't know if you're actually able to transmit or not so they can't tell viral load so you could be yeah. asymptomatic with a very mm-hmm. limited load and they, they can't see that Bingo. so it need, they need different tests yeah and i think it's really obvious they, they went to this direction of even if you're vaccinated you got to get tested because i said this a couple weeks ago how does it make sense that you're going to be like you can't come to the movies unless you're vaccinated or get weekly tested and i'm like breakthrough cases exist and people who have breakthrough cases can transmit to the same degree as someone with co- like who's not vaccinated. Once you get once once you get COVID, <clears throat> your chance of transmission is like equal regardless of vaccination status. But those who are vaccinated are much less likely to get. That's what they're saying. Mm. But if that's still the case, they can transmit it. Then doesn't everyone need to test? But they were like, no. And I was like, okay. Now here we are. University of Arizona is the yeah. first to be like, yeah, everybody get your test. So do you know? It, so now that this Delta variant is out, are they still vaccinating for the original variant, even though there's a new yes. variant that's traveling? So when people are getting sick with COVID, are they actually, I put it in quotes, are they getting sick with a, a variant that the vaccine is not prepared for? There's all sorts of different variants of, uh, you know, COVID. And the difference is that you can have a variant of COVID that literally does absolutely nothing. Like, if you go ahead and you look at the sequencing data on Gizade, you'll see so many different, like, on Gizade, where they share the actual data from the PCR tests and from, like, people that they actually confirm positives, they can tell you what prevalence that specific strain is. They've got a bunch of them, and it's a bunch of different areas just sharing that data. So, you have variants that do absolutely nothing. You know, nothing over the actual version. That's natural because it's an RNA virus. You're going to get, uh, you know, single nucleotide polymorphisms where, again, a code, sk- uh, you know, one of the base pairings skips or one of the base pairings omits and it's not the right one. And so the question is, what does the Delta variant do? Do we even know? Because a lot of people say that it's more transmissible, but you got to think the Delta variant started coming around right as everybody started getting COVID apathy. You know, lockdowns were being released in a lot of places. They're brushing in. It's like, how do you gauge transmissibility if you're not infecting somebody with COVID, telling them to go walk the same distance around the same amount of people, not touch anybody, but get within this distance? You can't control to see how transmissible a specific strain is. So do we know that it has any, and this is the hot button, demonstrated gain of function over normal, you know, over the normal SARS-CoV-2 strain? Like, that's the question that you have to actually ask. Nobody. Like, like when someone walks in, if, if something were to happen where, like, this person got COVID from that person, they, I've never, I, I've been following this for a while, and I don't know, they don't say what strain they caught. So I keep mm-hmm. thinking it's the original, but it might not be, right? Well, it, so so here's what I think happened. And, I, you know, consult your doctor, because I'm not an expert on this, but I was reading about it. And basically, when we had the alpha strain, 
It was like the original strain. It was it was it was brutal. It was more deadly, less infectious. But what happens is natural selection occurs, right? So the virus that caused the viruses that cause and outside of COVID, just in general, virus. Mm-hmm. And, and you you can probably correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but viruses that cause more damage are less likely to spread yes. because the person notices it right. and then takes action. Mm-hmm. So viruses that are less deadly and less you know causing of symptoms are more likely to transmit naturally selecting for a highly transmissible but less deadly variant. Yeah. So what happens is I here's what I think. This is my opinion. The alpha variant I think was nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Like the data we were getting, the videos we were seeing, it was horrifying. We we saw videos of people collapsing in the street in China. People are now saying they're fake. No, I don't think that's what, no. what what's happening. I think what happened was the initial strain was people are saying it was like a pressure on their chest. And so you've got people in China who are like pressured to go out work and, and, you know, they have, they have there's an, like a more honor culture. So it's like put a mask on and get out there. Mm-hmm. And then someone would be struggling to breathe. And what happens when you can't breathe? You pass out. Yeah, they have bad yeah. air there too anyway. Yeah. Right. So you got bad air. You've got pressure on the chest and this weird like pneumonia was going around. Mm-hmm. So we see this data and the initial, uh, the initial data was like we could see millions die from this in the U.S. Like the New York Times had a slider Those bar. models were. But, but what happens is there's a natural natural selection that occurs. The most severe strains are eliminating themselves by killing people. The less severe variants were more likely to transmit because the people were less likely to be hospitalized. So then we went alpha, we had beta, you know, now we're, we, we've seen epsilon and mu, but delta seems to be the scarier one. It's highly transmissible and still deadly, but less deadly. Mm-hmm. This really makes sense. So now we're getting to that point perhaps where you know, people are saying we're going to have to live with COVID, but this the worst strain of COVID will probably fizzle itself out. So I'll throw it back to the 1918 flu pandemic for another point of data. There's a, a, a one one historical theory that the 1918 pandemic started in China as a very uh, uh, as a lighter strain, and a bunch of people got it and they got over it. But then it moved into the trenches, came back to the United States where it festered and got worse. And because it had the ability to rapidly infect close-quartered people who were injured or sick, that allowed for a very serious variant to rapidly infect lots yes. of people. By the time it made it back to China, the people of China already had some natural immunity to to the similar strain and were less impacted by it. In this instance, it's it's similar but different. The very serious strain was struggling because we did the slowdown, we did the lockdowns, we did these things. I think it's fair to say we probably had a positive impact in that regard, but then variants can still persist, and we made a lot of mistakes. Notably, being indoors seems to be bad. Being outside with fresh air, with UV lights, with vitamin D, with exercise seems to be good. So we made some mistakes in that capacity. We need to update our strategy. Now I think we're in a new pandemic, a pandemic of political manipulation, where we do have a crisis. Uh, Coronavirus is really bad. We're still hearing stories about people getting it, but now you've got political parties that are like, now's our chance. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly. And I mean, they're doing that. And, you know, part of the issue as well, though, you can actually argue with the lockdowns is that you allow and incentivize mutations when you lock down because when they finally get out or when they have to actually go out and they've been locked down for so long, they're spreading a much more mutated iteration. It's went through about five or six viral, viral generations. And now you're getting something that there's always a small chance that when a virus mutates that it can demonstrate a little bit more virulence and it can become a lot more deadly, but. That's interesting. Locking down essentially created isolated incubation. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Is, are viruses more or less likely to mutate in isolation? It, uh, isolate, pretty much if we never locked down, what would happen is that everybody, COVID would burn through its host reservoir. Eventually we would reach herd immunity a lot faster. That's at least, you know, that's the traditional logic. I think it still stands. There's a lot of inconsistency on it. And 
I'm not going to give you a definitive, but what happens is you let it burn through its host reservoir. And again, people are going to, you know, people are going to succumb to the illness. That's part of the nature of it. But once it actually burns through, everybody's already immune, you know, they're, they're immunized. So you don't have a, let's say a generation one COVID and then generation five, you know, a generation five COVID illness going and then generation five is so much different from generation one that eventually you get a chance mutation that allows it to spread a little bit easier. A question. If you don't know the answer, it's okay. If, if, uh, if you become immune to like alpha of COVID alpha, it can it mutate in your system once you develop immunity to the alpha? Can it? That that's always a possibility. That's actually something that you know we can. Well, n- okay, it's it's complicated because once you have the antibodies, once you have the immunoglobulin G antibodies within your blood, once it's there, again, it's going to eventually get wiped. It's going to eventually get wiped out, and then the rest of your antibody production will catch on. Lymphocytes and the dendritic cells will begin to dispose of it. So you will eventually get rid of the infection entirely. But the issue is again, what it you know. How do you control for whatever you're spreading? Because you have a, a thousand different variants of the virus here. And the one that's, mo- that's the most transmissible will then be able to be shed to somebody else. And then that one will actually spread and it'll copy those transmiss. You know, it'll actually carry those same transmissibility traits and it might actually improve on that further and further and further. And then they might actually spread that one. But, you know, it's all chance. It's like you know, you're rolling a dice every single time because first you have to actually spread the most transmissible variant of invariant of it. And then you have to hope that that one doesn't self-terminate or snuff itself out every single time that it's hijacking a cell and getting itself to be reproduced. It, if it snuffs itself out or if you don't actually spread it and your body actually develops immunity to it, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's game over. So it's basically a chance thing. That's why I say mutations are they're drummed up to such a degree that, you know, it's like Tim said, they're, they're not letting a good, good crisis go to waste. But really, this is something mundane that we're making sound so exotic. I think I think initially I actually do think the initial like everything we saw initially was accurate. And we have to we have to make sure we're updating the science as the, as, as the mutations happen and assess our economic circumstances. It started with a novel virus that ha- it was highly infectious and it was novel. So it's likely going to hit everybody. And it was just, uh, uh, as they reported, not a lab leak, but just very interestingly, it had these proper, you know, infection methods. But in the, in the beginning, they're like, look, nobody's had this. So that means everyone's going to get it. There's no natural immunity to this. And that means we're going to see a lot of death. And so we wanted to do something about it. I think that was legitimate. But what happens is with mutations, with bad policy, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We should have done different things. I can accept that. Trump should have fired Fauci. I definitely think that is. Fauci has got no confidence from the American people. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard to say. We're at a point now where I'm wondering if the hard lockdowns allowed for isolated incubation. So put it this way. If the population is rapidly intermingling, then there will be variants, but people will quickly catch certain strains and then develop immunity to those strains. Granted, with a novel virus, we're talking about a lot of death, so it's a scary, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's scary to just be like, we're going to ignore this. Well, then you get overloaded hospitals. Yeah. But if you tell everyone to lock down, then what happens is, let's, let's, let's say you have 10 buildings that are sealed, each with their, and each are infected with COVID. When they open the doors, you could, you could have 10 variants because they've yes. went through multiple, like you mm-hmm. said, five or six generations. Mm-hmm. Now it comes out with 10 different strains all at once. Yeah. So, 
look, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this or an expert on policy. Nobody is at this point. Right, right. It's hard to know for sure. The one thing I can say is when you look at Australia, you look at what's happening with Democrats, I think they're like, it's an opportunity for us to push through agenda items to, to, you know, do a lot of things. Now, interestingly, I guess, you know, Gretchen Whitmer, like is opposing vax mandates and, and mask mandates, polling, her polling was bad or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she must saw them numbers. All right, she's for the people. Well, I, I'm glad that's the case, but I don't think it's going to save her career. Mm-hmm. I think too many Democrats saw this as an opportunity. They started by saying, come on down to Chinatown. That's what Nancy Pelosi yeah, was saying. I remember that. Nancy Pelosi not wearing a mask, getting her hair done. Gavin Newsom not wearing a mask, going to these restaurants. They don't care about this. And I'll tell you this. Celebrities aren't scared of this at all. No. Take into consideration that. They go to the Emmys. They go to the Met Gala. They don't wear masks. They don't care. They literally do not fear this at all. So if you're sitting at home and you're worried and you're scared about this, ask yourself why it is that political elites and celebrities have zero fear. They go on TV. They don't wear masks. They go to special events. They don't wear masks. They do not care about this. There's the inform- There's just such an informational lag because I think conservatives are on the cutting edge of this. Conservatives have already gotten to the point where we've accepted that this is going to be an endemic virus. It's not as bad as it could be. Practice good health. Get outside again because you need the vitamin D and also because heat stimulates interferons, which can help again help your body actually ward off the virus. A lot of people wow. don't do research into interferons. Yeah, children also have a much higher number of interferons within their nose, and that's part of the reason why children are less susceptible in general. Wow. But um you know, there's so many there's so many facets to this that the average person does not know. And there's an informational light because they're getting it from these traditional sources. So what do you do? You Make know? more interferons, baby. Hey, yeah. so you're saying it's en- endemic, which means what does that mean exactly? That means that you're going to – it's basically a part of society. You're right. going to have like a COVID flu. every single year. Flu season. And ask yourself, mm-hmm. how long have we had a flu vaccine? Oh, we've got a bunch of different ones. Okay. But have the, we gotten rid of the flu yet? No. Nope. Okay, so why are we trying to do the same thing with COVID? Right, but it, I always call it the flu shot. Is that because it? Wa- I thought it wasn't a vaccine. It is a vaccine. Well, it's, it a, is a, it's a more traditional one. The mRNA vaccine is where you're exposing yourself to two specific spike proteins out of the 26 that are on the surface of the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus. But these have what's called a pre, pre-fusion confirmation, which keeps the spike protein from damaging the cell, basically, as it's, uh, you know, as it's manufactured and it actually locks it onto your cell, the uh, plasma membrane of a cell. So it can't get loose and go and damage other cells. This is the RNA mm-hmm. one. Uh, um, yeah, the, that's the yeah. RNA. It, it helps your body basically produce the spike protein so that you can create those IgGG or IgG. Jesus Christ. <laughs> antibodies. That's, that's the worst naming convention. I'm ever. so glad you're here. It's complicated. It's super, it's super complicated, but it's also niche too, because again, a lot of virologists, uh, they'll study this and they won't put two and two together. And then, you know, you have some virologists that dedicate themselves to studying interferons. You have some that dedicate themselves to say studying different methods to deploy, you know, vaccines. That's pretty much how we have the AD26 in the Janssen. And that's how we have the nanoparticle the lipid covered nanoparticle of basically the pfizer one and so uh what's a, what's a traditional vaccine called does it have a name i would say a, a live well no it wouldn't be the live attenuated, attenuated right yeah it that's pretty much it where you're presenting an inert copy but, so the uh, novavax i think mm. that's one that, that's a traditional vaccine is that a live attenuated or, or? Ooh, i might actually have to go look at that the specifics of which i'm i'm super do you, do you know anything about the johnson and johnson vaccine yes it's it's a it's a dna virus it's a dna vaccine right 
I think it's still R. I thought it was still RNA, but it was just deployed using a uh, adenovirus that was actually found in research monkeys. I could be wrong, but I thought that it was still that we're still dealing with RNA. Hey, kind of as a more general question, are, do you think that there's a lot of, of promise in the RNA vaccines in general? I, I mean, it's a it's a useful way to do what we've always done. But you know, the weakness of the RNA vaccines is again, it's bloodborne immunity, which means if you have something that transmits or sheds via the, the nodes you're still able oh. to transmit because that's a different antibody that you're trying to produce so for. it works on blood but not in mucus not in lymph yeah, the, yeah those would be the iga antibodies that you that you find there your saliva and i believe in your stomach mm-hmm. if and so. it says dna it really? says that johnson and johnson uses an adenovirus to deliver the spike protein dna uh, but and it's nebraska medicine so i'm assuming I read this too. I think I was reading on the CDC that it's a DNA vaccine versus the mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. Similar but different technologies. Yeah, it's it's just the it's the same process, just kind of in reverse. DNA, you're basically cleaving it into an RNA. You're basically splitting it into an RNA and then giving it out to your ribosome so that they can actually, you know, send it. So they can actually manufacture it where it's RNA again. It's already right. ready to go. Word. It's like inserting a disc into a. It's like inserting a disc with a program into a computer. So before like we move a on, Doom CD-ROM. Yeah, indeed. Yes, yeah, before old we move one. on, I have to ask. A lot of times, people will just dismiss out of hand the concept of a vaccine altogether because they'll tell me it's not a vaccine; it's gene therapy. What do you say to that? I mean, it's a semantic argument because mm. you know everything is you know everything to some degree are genes like now what i think when people say gene therapy they're thinking kind of like a retrovirus where it actually overwrites the dna of your cells and causes them to basically by default produce this like i said this is like just inserting a cd into a computer and telling it run a specific program it's going to conduct the i was i was reading a harvard article about gene therapy A a lot of people were sending saying see it proves mrna is gene therapy it actually doesn't the harvard article says that there is mrna gene therapy mRNA vaccines are not gene therapy. So the idea is basically what they're saying. If you've got a genetic disorder, they can use mRNA to literally do a gene therapy and change the DNA mm-hmm. in your cells to stop the disorder. But these vaccines don't do that. Right. They just give the RNA to make a spike protein mm-hmm. and then eventually cease to exist. They allow the ribosomes to basically <laughs> go to work and, you know, again, mobilize the aminos to conduct the protein. And it's only two out of the the uh, twenty six that we, you know you you'll find on the surface too. So it's I, not even like it's covering the whole cell with it. And I just think there's a lot of other arguments people make. They use semantic arguments like gene therapy. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, like, I mean, does does that affect the polit- the politics of freedom mm-hmm. and medical choice and bodily autonomy? You know, write the mandates, not the vaccines, because again, the vaccines are you know vaccines are pretty much wonderful anywhere that you've actually been yes these may have you know you might have a lot of allergic reactions there's a lot that we don't know how people's bodies are reacting to it but you know people react all medicine has risk yeah people react oddly to all kinds of medicine medicines depending on what i'll put it this way if someone comes to me and says that they would like to get vaccinated, I'll be like, that's, that's cool. You talk to your doctor and they'll be like, yeah, I'm like, that's, that's fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. glad you did that. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we should force people to do it though. And there's, there's uh, arguments about like, well, what about all the other vaccines? And I'm like, truth be told, I still have issues with government mandated medication. I think people, you know, but there's limited function, right? If you want to go to a public institution, like a school and they mandate it, that's different from saying all public accommodation period for participation in society. Furthermore, the older vaccines have been around for a much, much longer time and went through a legislative mm-hmm. process for approval. 
It's very different from like we're in a crisis and we're going to just executive decree this stuff. So I think it's like um, you know, the Supreme Court said about the eviction moratorium. It's an issue for Congress. Laws have to be voted on and passed. And the problem is when Democrats realize they can't get it through because of Republicans, mm-hmm. they just say, you know, we'll squeeze it in with a budget bill. We'll do right. the omnibus spending where we just get whatever we want or Biden will rule by decree. Yeah, And that goes back to what we said, though, that, again, the, Dem- the Democratic Party is sick. And when you have a sick party that can't get the other wing to agree or work with it, mm-hmm. then what do you get? You get these schemes, these plans, these ways that you are trying to control, manipulate and snuff out the other party. And that eventually destroys <laughs> the nation because you need the ideas of the left. Which left does not, it doesn't mean de facto communism. Let's go, go to that. You know, left and right are just, um, semantic terms that we use to describe traditionalism, which would normally be right. And then, you know, this whole moving forward, changing things, which is what we see left. Like if America was historically a communist country, the commies would be the right. Yeah. And, you know, the left would be the capitalists. And could you imagine, could you imagine that, uh, a group of Wall Street bets, uh, savant capitalists <laughs> hurling Molotov cocktails into worker camps. Yeah, but they also don't like. It's not about being establishment. It's just certain political factions don't engage in that kind of behavior. Yeah. Whether they're revolutionary or not. But let me let, let me show you the story. We got the story from Fox News. New York governor refusing to budge on vaccine mandate for nurses. Mm-hmm. You're replaceable. Mm-hmm. I don't think they realize. Right. We, we had a story that one hospital in New York was no longer going to deliver babies. Because they had no maternity ward nurses. It's like upstate they, New York. This is a bet on the, this is a bet the New York governor is going to lose. Huh. They're not replaceable. Not going to happen. No. You know who is replaceable? The governor. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that. true. Oh, you know, yeah. I could replace the governor with a golden retriever and we'd probably be better off. Definitely. Definitely. So when they start firing people, I think the economy is going to just... Yeah. You, you Look, they, they, they come out and they say, we're in a very serious pandemic. We need to mandate this stuff. Okay. What happens when you eliminate nurses in the middle of the pandemic? Pandemic gets worse. That's are, where we're going. Weren't they just complaining that we're having a nursing shortage? I don't yeah. understand where she's they're coming paying, from. They're they're literally paying travel nurses exorbitant amount of fees to come work for them when they could just pay the nurses a little bit more. But no, instead they're going to go ahead and fire them. Yeah, like, what, is, what, what did she say? She'll bring in uh, foreign staff or something? That's so expensive. We're sending out yeah. a call statewide. There are facilities, for example, in New York that 98% of the staff are vaccinated. They don't have a worker shortage. We are working closely with these hospitals to find out where we can get other individuals to come in and supplement nursing homes and other facilities. Her comments come after she had already said on Tuesday while visiting the Niagara Power, uh, Power Project, those who refuse, we will find replacements. Mm-hmm. Those who refuse, you have my utmost respect. Mm-hmm. Do not give the government an inch. They will take 10 miles. It's a power play. That's that's all it is. Because, I mean, again, if you have nurses refusing the vaccine mandate and nurses are regarded as health professionals, then what do you think is going to happen to the rest of the people? And when these, they... these, these certainly must be the stupidest nurses on the planet <laughs> oh, to be God. in these hospitals where they can actually see the vaccine workings and then reject them. Mm-hmm. What strange individuals. I'm being facetious, by the way. <laughs> the point is. I don't know what they're experiencing. And there are a lot of people who, like the left have been like, wow, these, someone actually tweeted this on the left. They're like, these nurses must be really stupid to be working mm. in the hospitals where they can see the vaccines work and refuse them. Mm. And it's like, maybe there's still breakthrough cases. Maybe there's like, it doesn't matter if you're a nurse and you see people coming in for COVID, you're not going to see a grand global overview of the numbers. Well, 
it all goes back to what do you define as a breakthrough case? Because again, I think the vaccines were rated even at their peak for like 95, 90% efficacy. So what do you call the other 5%? What do you call the other 10%? That's expected. So that's not right. even a break. Again, that's a semantic fear word like breakthrough case. Oh, your vaccine, it may or may not work. No, we've already controlled for that. But the fact is you get the vaccine, you have a better chance of surviving. You think you can develop real immunity. Now, the issue with the whole nurses refusing mandate is if you get if you get the vaccine, you get and you get the SARS-CoV-2 virus up in your nose, you can still spread it. But you don't know you have it because your symptoms are reduced. So now they can potentially spread it to even more patients because they're almost confirmed to be asymptomatic, or, yeah, especially if they have a working immune system. They're not going to have symptoms. So now you just and testing when for everybody. Testing, yep. Now it's going to be mass goes. testing every, for everybody. That's mm-hmm. controlling for a mistake that they made because again we just didn't have the data. It's like I said, nobody's an expert on this. You know what? I say we do it right now. I say not a vaccine mandate, a a, a swab mandate mm-hmm. to enter all establishments. <laughs> so every business has to have someone employed at the door, and when you walk in, they stick the thing in your nose. They put it down and you wait 15 minutes or whatever. How long does that take? It takes 15 minutes or no, it takes longer than that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think about 30. I'm not sure. All right, you stand outside for 30 minutes and then if you, 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 all right, you can come in now. I got the finger, the finger test where they prick your blood and they check or whatever. That was negative, but they like put the finger on your finger and they smash it and then it like goes through your skin and then they do the blood. That was instant. It was like you literally look and go, you're good. It was like instant was more like I had one where they so. put the thing on my forehead and then they like put a green light on my forehead or something. You guys get that? And they're like, yeah. It's a temp scan. Yeah, we're we're oh, it's a temp oh, scan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to see if it's laser. Trying to see Just if you were manifestations of, you know, if you're febrile. Again, yeah, really, that's what it's doing really do for much. sure. <laughs> the story shows they don't care about you. They don't care about your rights. They don't care about your freedom. They don't care about the Constitution. They will replace you. So we should replace them. We don't need these fat cats, these big wigs. It's a, it's our duty to replace them. Yeah. I don't like I mean, term limits, man. Term limits, term limits. How do mm-hmm. we make it? How do we make it happen fast? We don't well, need to make it happen fast. How do we make it happen legitimately? Midterms. Are, yes, mm-hmm. but there are two distinct cultures in this country that I don't think that solves the problem at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know what does solve the problem because you can have uh, uh, Tom Cotton come out and say we should consider whether or not COVID leaked in a lab, and New York Times says crackpot conspiracy theorist, you know Tom Cotton puts out crackpot conspiracy theory and then a year later some guy former new york times is like actually it may be and they go oh it may be or hunter biden's laptop you, you they come out and they're like they found an old laptop there's no proof we, we're not going to look at it the npr said it's not even news we won't entertain it twitter said we're going to block the new york post yeah. from sharing it and then a year later they're like oh that laptop thing yeah that was true yeah mm-hmm. i had this, this thought that we used to write constitutions and laws now we write code so if the code does it, there's no like enforcement. The code happens. So we what need to mean like if you're living in a digital society, the code's going to dictate what you can and can't do sh- just by basis of what the code is, is coded to do. You're so it's like the law is built into society at that point. The law is part of the function. So maybe that's oh, yeah. the future. Like social media. You could, you could use a word on YouTube that makes your video not appear. Mm-hmm. So there's like invisible enforcement that someone put in play that is shaping our culture without anyone's permission. Mm-hmm. We've lost it. We've all control. The machine yeah. is taking over. And here's the crazy thing. It's not an AI. It's just a random amalgam, amalgam of different code and maybe some machine learning. But for the most part, they ban, they, they ban words based on what words – a word could sound like another word and they, they, they'll ban you for it. They ban sounds. Isn't no that right. nuts? Mm-hmm. There's literally no oversight. And I mean that's the argument against having just code because, again – 
codes going to happen. There are going to be errors because codes dealing with people. People can say something. A code can't sort out for sarcasm. A code can't sort out whether or not you're quoting something unless you say begin quote end quote or something like that. And if you you go that route and you just eliminate, you know, let's say enforcement or politicians in general, where's the appeal process? You could build it into the system like a jury system uh, with like a transparent free software code. And then if there's a if someone feels like they were wronged by the way the code acted, they could appeal to a jury of your peers. Like a thousand random people could get an opportunity to view the process. And then, and then that could self-alter the code. If, if you get enough times that this thing has gone wrong, then the code rewrites itself or the people overseeing the code can rewrite it. Sounds sounds good, but again, if it deals with people and it's dealing with you know personal personal interpretations, and then you know that personal interpretations are being cultivated by that same code and algorithm, then you know you're just at back at square one. Interesting. Yep. You know, we there's a lot of problems in that because people are going to argue, and then you're going to get people saying, "Here's the real problem," and it's going to be it's going to break down as to who gets to implement the code. I think maybe maybe one of the simplest solutions would be if you know. You just took one person and appointed them supreme chancellor with absolute power to do anything and then just said, you know what? You take care of us. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to fight anymore. I like that. We'll just have them be allowed to do anything and control yes. all of the law enforcement Genius. and uh, just accept that their decisions are law. Genius. Yeah. But, you know, we, we say that jokingly, but the fact <laughs> that, you know, the fact I, I had to add a disclaimer because, but no, we say that jokingly, but here's the problem. The left is constantly burning books, removing history, removing the stories and tales of when we did things like that and when they went horribly wrong. So what happens when you get the next generation that does come up with that idea and they don't have the history to tell them you you might not want to do that? It's a big part of why I don't like that they've censored the swastika. Because you need it's to know, symbol. you gotta know the there's history episodes, of the Nazi Party, man. You gotta know. There's there's cartoons, Family Guy, Justice League that they, they show these symbols, and now it's like they're like, oh, we can't show that it's offensive. I'm just assuming that they ban the swastika. Mm. I don't know if the swastika is banned. Can you show a swastika on YouTube? Uh, it is it is n- algorithmically reduced in a lot of capacities, and oh, depending yeah. on the context, Twitter would what might remove it or put or flag it. And there's a big difference. We talked about this before the show. Talking about something racy, like uh, a word, is very different than using that word to, to describe someone it's or attack someone. But it matter. should matter for of course, the, the, you know, it should matter for the future. No, mm-hmm. no, it, it it matters to human beings. It doesn't matter to the machine. Yeah, the machine doesn't care why. You you know, or actually, I think it no longer matters to the people either. It's like that Netflix uh, executive was ex- was explaining to people racial slurs and why right. they were banned and what they were, and he got in trouble for saying it. Imagine being part of like a diversity and inclusion thing where you're like, we're going to be explaining racial slurs, why they're offensive and why you can't say them, and then someone gasps when you say it to tell them not to say it, and he got fired. So he gets this, this Netflix guy gets called to HR. And they're like, what happened? He goes, I was explaining to them racial slurs and like what was not acceptable. And, and I said, and they went, oh, he said it again. It's like, well, you asked him. What? He got fired, lost his job. John Schnatter. Yeah, look at Papa thing? John. We had Papa John on the show. Mm-hmm. He was explaining on a phone call how this word's offensive. And like, you know, Colonel Sanders used it. Nobody even got mad at him. And they were like, oh, he said it. He didn't call anybody any racial no, slurs. Saying the sound matter. is so different than calling someone a name. Then Keep that. I could call you a really. Uh, I could be like call you a name that's like an innocuous word, and it's more offensive than if I'm discussing the yeah. etymology of a word. There was a period where uh, people were using Facebook, Skype, Twitter as like slurs, trying to get the word banned, I guess, or whatever the point was. 
But there was a period where it was like the left was writing saying like these are now slang for racist terms or whatever. And it's like, oh, geez. In the, in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, apparently the judge said he didn't recognize the OK symbol as a symbol of white supremacy and that he thought it was um, – what, what, what did he say used it? Oh, it was really funny. Literally everyone. Let me Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm curious. I don't remember. I've seen AOC grow up two of them. I know. <laughs> so did Obama. A-OK. Oh. Yeah. Dog whistles. I know. It's perfect. It means perfect. Well, actually, it could be more of a dog whistle seeing how the progressive parties basically, you know, again. A, who's it a dog whistle for? And who is hearing the dog whistles? Is it a dog? We never. Just saying. We, it's like we never considered the possibility that these people could be entirely subversive. They could be virulent bigots. And this could have been like a 10-year plan to get in under the guise of being an ally and eventually turn it back or turn the country back to the age of Jim Crow. I'm seeing it. Chef Boyardee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's a good point. God, I haven't had that. I a lot yeah. of that. Good. <laughs> For good reason. Cans of it. So, yeah, the judge said. The OK sign is you also used uh, as a game and in old Chef Boyardee campaigns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I certainly yeah. would keep the door open if you can show that there is any connection between the defendant on the day in question and this organization. But as I said before, if this organization embraces the defendant after the fact and he's lionized because of his behavior, that is not something that the jury can make anything out of that would be lawful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Now, now, the question is, Ian, again, with algorithms, do you get that level of nuance into it? Can the algorithm be that nuance and make that judgment call? At this stage, I don't think so. No. I, yeah. I would hazard that it couldn't. It will never unless you get an algorithm that's so sufficient that it can replace humans entirely. What would what would happen is okay, you make the okay sign on you know on your minds video, and then it the a, the AI flags it and is like, hey, offensive thing, and then you're like, no, Kinda I like wasn't it. doing it offensively. I was doing it in non-offensively. So then you you re- appeal it. And then it goes out to like a thousand people that get to vote. Is he, did he use it in context or is the AI right? And then they vote and then the AI changes itself. No, 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 no. That's Ian, ideal, Ian, I think. And once, right once again, your idea is, is absurd and wrong. I'll tell you what we should do. And mine should roll this out. As you're posting, there should be a little circle with like a red light that's, you know, flashing a little bit. And if you're about to post something offensive, it goes, I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Ian. <laughs> You're like, I want to yeah. freezing you your bloodstream, Ian. <laughs> Hold still, Ian. I want to post this meme. I'm afraid no. I can't let you do that, Ian. Cryo freeze don't, initiated, don't press that Ian. Don't press that button. Don't and, then, and then robotic arms can come out of the ceiling. Hold and still, Ian. Hold still. Yeah. It's for your own good. It's, yeah. going, it's going to amnesticize you and uh, take away the will that you ever had to post oh, that yeah. meme. Oh, yeah. Andreas has been talking about neural net. And one of the things they might do with it is for prisoner, violent prisoners, rather than put them in prison, put them on a neural net that like dampens their... Willpower so to become vi- digital lobotomy. I don't know if that's ethical, but it's the a use of the technology. Com- the ethics committee would never go for that again. That's uh, but like, is it ethical to put someone in prison for twenty years? You know, it's kind of the argument. Again, then it's like, kind of, what do you do with it? We have an unrepentant. You know, these are imperfect. And we're dealing with people. People are imperfect, and these problems, unfortunately, will never have a perfect, neat answer. You, mm. All you can do is just mitigate harm, and unfortunately, uh, you know, it goes back to the b- pandemic. Democrats haven't figured out that you can't do anything. You just got to mitigate the harm. There's no yeah. perfect meat, but everybody's a coward. Everybody- well, there's power, and regular people and the people yeah. in big cities are terrified. They're yeah. like they scream. That's what Zuby just tweeted out. He was like, "I've been she's been traveling the U.S. and he was like, man, these blue states, whatever. They're talking about the big cities. He says, there's so much fear, and it's really mm-hmm. dampening my vibe. It's, it's messing Red with my vibe, man. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to Florida and Dude. Texas. Yeah, mm-hmm. West Virginia." It's like life Whatever. is normal. It's weird to see uh, going to the casino. They ban masks 
because it's a casino. And they're right. like, you can't wear masks. But people still do it, and they don't say anything. But I'm like, it's kind of weird. People are smoking in there. West Virginia, man, we got freedom. Mm. It really is great. Freedom. But yeah, freedom if you can keep it, I guess. Freedom is scary, though, to an infantilized people. And scary. that's the problem is that, again, people in our stage, this is why I'm black people. I, I know, Lids. Yes, I'm not supposed are. to do that. I'm not supposed to do that. But I'm black people when it comes to, you know, libertarianism in general, because libertarianism would have worked with when people were more rugged, more robust, more right. open to risk. But now everybody's so infantilized. It's like the uh, the muscle do- doge meme and the little cheens. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, back in the day, people were all just, they would take risks. They would do what they needed to do. And nowadays it's like, someone called me a mean word online. Now, if there's mm-hmm. something you don't know, you just look it up. That didn't exist before. That's, a, that's something that we have. And, but I mean, the search for the knowledge, like just doing something more than Google searching, like going to your library and grabbing a book, that allowed you to uncover more but we don't have that now now you can just look something up and people are people are so spoiled you have to ask people there's a funny it was so much conversation was hey what is can you answer this there was a there's a funny comic where it's like it says then it's like two guys sitting down and one guy goes hey what year was abraham lincoln assassinated the other one goes i don't know you want to go to the library not really okay (laughs) then the panel below it's like now hey what year was abraham lincoln assassinated and then he holds up his phone and what what was it 1864 Before. I don't know the exact but he holds up his money. Let's go to Super Chats, everybody. Oh. If you haven't already, Ooh. you must smash that like button. It is your sworn duty. Right. And subscribe to the, to the channel. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member. Share the show with your friends. Let's uh, let's read some of these fancy messages. Ooh, this Ooh. one's good. You know who says Malcolm Flex has the deep, gravely baritone voice that could serenade me into walking off a cliff <laughs> if or to use his powers for evil. Pay me $5 <laughs> and I will say whatever you want. I will make a cameo page. We can Walk get this going right now. Cliff. Yes. Oh, uh, Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, April 14th. So close. I am many things, but I am not a historian, nor am I good with specifics. So, Lua Coder says, Tim, why are we giving billions of dollars to foreign countries when our economy is falling apart? These politicians do not care for Americans and only value their overseas pet projects. I completely agree. That's why I think it's a challenge when it comes to Israel, because it's like, oh, do we let it just be peppered with rockets and then see all this mass death? Should we be securing the face mask of those in an expos before securing our own? There's a good argument for not providing funding, not because it's Israel. Now, here's the issue. If you came to me and said, I think we should reduce all of our foreign spending until we can resuscitate America and maybe even drop it down to near zero or zero, I'd be like, mm, we should have a discussion. When AOC is like, I don't like Israel, I'm like, shut mm, up. Yeah. Get out of here. It's a stupid argument. You don't care about the economy. She's just in this weirdo world of Israel bad. Rashida Tlaib is like, there are, it's humanitarian crisis and there are war crimes. And I'm like, you see, if you really cared about foreign spending, you'd be talking about all the other countries we're dumping money, money into as well, not just Israel. They're just obsessed because they are lunatics. They are obsessed with this stuff. You know what really, really frustrates me more than anything are the anti-Israel uh, uh, zealots and the pro-Israel zealots. I'm like, dude, you can be pro, you can be anti if we can have a conversation. But I can't stand people like AOC who are like ah, screaming and they're mm. like, she, are, you're dedicating your time and energy to one country. Calm down. Give me some principled opposition like this was right here. We shouldn't give billions of dollars to foreign countries when our economy is failing. That's a really good point, Lua Coder. You're correct. I agree with you. Mm. AOC, I don't. I think she just hates Israel. Mm. Yeah. A lot of these people weren't even alive when when the conflict went on. So they're just picking a side based on some skewed iteration of history that we've already said. Let's not do White Rat says nothing says strong political figure when they uh, when they cry if they don't get their way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true. Amazing. 
All right, yes, let's see. Queen Slay. She thinks it'll work. She lives on the internet. Irish Fish says, The left cult is not stupid. They are crazy. Also, check out Neon Genesis Evangelion and mm-hmm. Akira. Yes, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oregon Life says, Ian, you mentioned you voted for Biden. Knowing what you know now, would you make the same decision? Why or why not? You're a borderline commie. I never said that, though, did I? No. no I, I voted for Obama in 2008, so technically, by default, Biden was involved in that, but I didn't vote for Biden. Huh. I didn't vote this last election. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Interesting. I mean, yeah. also, I just moved, so it was a big challenge. You, you want to know something that's really bad? I don't want to cut that off, but you know if Biden gets 25th or he dies or, you know, worse, you know— if something happens to Joe Biden, we won't get a President Trump oh, because President Trump is going to be that same age. I think the independents are going to look at it and say, do we really want to go down there? Mm. So that's something. I need a young scientist. Yeah. I want like an ethical genius in office right now. Well, tell your GOP to find him. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm probably pronouncing this name wrong every time I do because I don't know what it is. Leg I'm a Thigayan. But he says. Sounds Latin. Ian, you're my bro, but Israel isn't a theocracy. Most Israelis are secular Jews. You can be any religion or none. The land was split into two states by the UN in 1948. Israel was instantly invaded and defeated the invasion. The history is highly complex. It is very. Is is Israel not a Jewish state? Lurch says, the last super chat is complete BS. Israel was not invaded. They waged a campaign of ethnic cleansing in 1947, and a handful of Arab soldiers came to try and stop it. See, this is what happened. There you go. Yep. The plot thickens. Are yeah. they talking about the Six-Day War? Is that what it was? There's so there's yeah. so many different they, they did like a blitzkrieg against uh, uh, Egypt because Egypt and Israel had had all this conflict and there was like this blitzkrieg and then this takeover of land. I think it was in 67, though. That was longer, further away. All right. Fidel LeBlanc right. says, had no idea until the other night that you're a weeb. Love Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. What's your favorite anime manga? P.S. Love the show. Watch every night. I think I'm going to go for the obvious and say Naruto. Because when Naruto was in its manga run, Shonen Jump, every week I would pull up the scanlation. This was like 10 years. It's crazy when I think back. I'm like, there's a period where I was like, oh, it's Wednesday. And I would, I would pull up and I would read the latest chapter. And then I'm like, and then it ended. I will say the last few chapters I thought were terrible. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Naruto? Oh, yeah. yeah the, I'm very, very. Yeah. I thought the Kaguya stuff went over the top yeah. and it was too nuts and wacky. And I'm like. Eh. The, the problem is Kishimoto, he couldn't bring himself to kill off Madara. Like at some point, right. Madara was, he was hyped up. He was foreshadowed and he was just the perfect villain. And, you know, again, especially when, he, you know, the five Kage summon, he literally soloed the whole, the strongest ninja in the verse. And how do you, how, how do when, you do that? When he got the sage powers. I was like, this is great. But then when the Kaguya stuff started and he was yeah. like a pawn, I'm like, this is yeah. ridiculous. Not aliens the are black here. Zets, uh, the black Zetsu. And then, you know, yeah. they expounded upon it with Gorzo, but it's just like, it's, it's tanking. And, yeah. you know, it was just, he, he but did too good. Overwhelmingly, the series is, was really, 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 really great. Full Metal Alchemist, mm-hmm. Brotherhood. Especially. Oh, I mean, man, both, both series were really, really good. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Fully Cooley back in the day. Oh, I, think, I remember watching it on Adult Swim. That's right. What was it? Six episodes? It was a uh, wacky show, limited run, mm-hmm. total absurdism. They tried making sequels to it. They just don't work. But that is a, a classic, classic series. And then I got to say, these are really obvious, but Death Note. I will give a shout out to that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I think is pretty good. I, I stopped watching it a while ago. And there's another show I can't remember the name of. Maybe you guys in the chat can remind me of it. It's about a dude. They're in a they're in like a training class for like knights or something, and then he's in a dungeon, but he falls, 
and then he's going to die, so he eats a monster, but then becomes like a oh, hybrid yeah. monster. You saw that one? Yeah, yeah. And then he's like going through the dungeon, leveling up, getting ultra strong, and his arm gets chopped off or whatever. And then when he finally escapes, he's super powerful and like a demon of some sort. I don't know. I can't remember the name of that show. I watched that one. That was really cool. Yeah. It's, it's odd. It sounds like setup for, that almost sounds uh, eerily similar to the setup for Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, uh, from the eating of the finger and, you know, almost becoming a monster. It, Again, just kind of drawing parallels. Yeah. My, my Hero Academia is pretty good. It is. It's, yeah. But it's, these are all like the really obvious cliche ones. Yeah. Did you guys are getting Sword Art Online? Sword Art Online, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't get good until the Gun Gale part. Oh. And even after that, because, I mean, Kirito's, he's a Gary Stu. You know, it's like he's perfect in every in every way in the series. And even in the real world, it's just like he's a kendo practitioner. So he's got reaction skills. And it's like, you know, at some point. It just it lost luster. I thought Cowboy so Bebop, man, greatness. Ooh, that's it's such a bummer that it only got twenty six episodes. Ed, I guess it was too violent at the time, and they didn't want to renew it. But that show, the lore, they're gonna they're they're, they're saying they're gonna expand the canon with Netflix, with the Netflix, Netflix live action. Yeah, I don't trust it either, especially because Edward's not in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, I don't trust it. What's what? The, is that the John Show? The John Show yeah, movie? Yeah, it's not a movie. It's a series. Oh, a TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Surge says Democrats are trying to pass legislation to prevent people who self-direct IRA accounts from investing in anything but the stock market. No more crypto or real estate investments. This is scary. Wow. Jeez. Christopher Riley says, please read this. Have Modern Renaissance Man on your show. He would be a really he would be really fun to watch on your show. Well, okay. We'll, we'll, look uh, we'll take a look. We'll look him up. All right. Let's see what we got. Drew Richmond says, we need a Tim Pool the Science Fool shirt. Bill Nye was the inspiration here. Of course, a better rhyme would be needed. Fool is not complimentary. The science... Tim Pool makes science cool. There you go. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Well, I don't. Cool. <laughs> you do now, Tim. Yes. Shoddy Viceroy says, I work in the solar industry and the process for PV arrays is very interesting. Photovoltaic. Especially the DC to DC link battery systems are super cool. Also, the inverters switch IGBTS for for DC to AC after being broken up through a sign filter. Oh. I have no idea what that means. Wow. Sounds cool. Huh. Science. A lot of people do. I learned that from watching Rogan's podcast. He'd have these geniuses on, and yeah. they'd be t- talking to him. He'd just sit there and listen and not understand anything they said. But he's like, but it's getting recorded. I he's can either right. watch it later, yeah. or there's yeah. a bunch of people that know what he's talking about. It's, it's a good great gateway podcast. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Peter Provenzano says, Tim, the U.S. is buying the Iron Dome to defend the air bases in Guam, Japan, South Korea. We basically paid for the R&D for the defensive weapon. Hmm. In South Korea, it's called THAAD. THAAD. I, yeah, I forgot I what it stands that. for. Aerial defense, maybe? Something, something like something. that. Aerial and uh, they're protest against it. They're worried that it'll it'll uh, increase the tensions between north, the North and the South. Yeah. When I was there, there were like signs saying like, no THAAD in South Korea. Mm, yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's see what we got here. Justin Bell says, as fall comes in, I will be able to see Three Mile Island from my front porch. That sounds cool. Nice. Derek Jones says, Ian, I have I have an MS and wrote a thesis on horizontal gene transfer. HGT is the non-sexual transfer of genetic material, e.g. DNA, RNA, between organisms. You've been conflating it with other phenomena. I'll tweet DM you good sources. I'm a fan of what y'all do. Thanks. Very cool. Amazing. He's a oh, yeah. Have you studied the gene translations much? Lateral and horizontal gene translations? Not near as much. I haven't delved into that one. When you start getting into the, in the pairings and translating, transcripting and all that, oh. that's where you literally... Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Complicated. 
BN says even nuclear isn't as uncommon as you're making it sound. In the U.S., we have 56 nuclear power plants operating across 28 states. And maybe we should have 112 operating off of 56 states. Maybe we can have 3 million kidding, little ones way, in our pockets encased in carbon glass. Jeez. Little tiny ones. Well, I, I was reading. We had sol- You saw the solid state battery thing like several months ago or last year or whatever? I don't know. They had a breakthrough in solid state oh, yeah. batteries, which are extremely energy dense. So it's like your phone could last 10 days off one charge or something like that. But isn't crazy. I was about to say, isn't the downside of anything solid state is that it dies almost like instantaneously and at random. Like, you know, when when the solid state cells go out, like they're done. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. About it. That was kind of like a push, a push against uh, going from just hard disk drives to solid state because, again, solid state drives, you know, there's a finite amount of charges that can pass through and they just eventually become non-functional where it's hard disk. You can manually extract the data from it. Captain says, Tim, you keep praising Thomas Massey because he has spicy tweets, but he won't help pass anything in Congress. He voted against the Trump wall three times with every Dem. He voted against Trump at every turn, including USMCA. He also vote, voted against Lauren Boebert's pro 2A leg. Good criticism. I will accept that and I will look more into it. But that's a good point. Mostly it's like I see Thomas Massey standing up and saying a lot of things. Okay, you know, we'll take we'll take a, a deeper look. That's a fair point. Should have been doing that in the first place. You know what we need? We need more pets in Congress. I want to see them bringing in their, their dogs and their cats. Make Positivity. Hu- humanize that, yeah. It's all positive until the progressive sick a sick a Doberman on somebody across the <laughs> aisle. Then, oh, boy. that would be exciting if nothing else. Oh yeah, certain. I was thinking Tom Matt, Tom's massing his farm. That's what made me think. Oh about. yeah, yeah. You can bring oh. some goats in. It'd be awesome. <laughs> Dave VD says, "Just here to shout out my amazing girlfriend Hannah Wallace and her album she released on Spotify called Learn to Love Me. It'll leave you speechless." <gasps> ah, you know, what? <laughs> amazing. <laughs> nice job, Hannah. That's yeah, right. Good work. Alex R says the difference between Soviet and American reactors is how to slow down neutrons. Soviets use graphite. We use water. Slowing neutrons increases the chance for fission. Chernobyl occurred because graphite won't boil like water, and it sprayed graphite mm. radioactive mm. all in the air, and yeah, it was really bad. Exciting. CJ says, as a former reactor operator, I love the enthusiasm, but this discussion is making my eyes bleed. Love the show. When the radioactive florbo particle meets the <laughs> zombo and then they collide, splitting into 17 quarks, uh-huh. the quarks start spinning, yeah. creating yes. a time dilation. Mm-hmm. Just the, say science. The things. leptons and fermions. <laughs> yes. Start jumping. And then when they jump, it generates piezoelectricity. Mm-hmm. Let's just say words. Spinners. Excellent. Spinners. Half spinners. Science. Full spin. Well, yeah. Speaking about, about all that, and I don't know the details, but Jack keeps on telling me about it like CERN. Uh, apparently, you know, something big's happening with CERN, so that might be interesting. Mm-hmm. In 2012, it did. I'm, I'm big into excitons. That's a cool That's particle. Exciting. Yeah, and you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to lecture me on this yeah. for sure. <laughs> That's how you make antimatter. Corn 5656 says, "Hey Tim, been watching since the beginning of Tomcat's IRL, and y'all have inspired me to get in shape. It allowed me to evaluate my life choices and kick myself in gear. Yes. Ian is the best guru. Skulls for the skull throne." Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you this, man, if you are not in shape and then you get in shape, it, it's the feeling is so amazing. You don't know what you're missing out on. Like always feeling good. I gotta say, Flex, I've been looking at your ripped arms. What's your, <laughs> what's your, uh, I was about to say, can we pan it? Yeah. Yep. What, yep. What's your workout <laughs> regime like? Oh God. I, 
Look, let's just say I'm probably one of the lucky few that won genetic lottery of not having very many myostatins, so I don't lose muscle, and I gained a lot of this during a long, robust football career. Mm. And But honestly, I would say for anybody that wants to, you know, at least build respectable arms, high volume. Volume really is king, and if you don't go too high. Low reps? Yeah. Uh, I, I'd actually go higher on the reps only because again, you don't, you don't want to go too high in weight. You don't want to tear something. When you say high volume, what do you mean exactly? Like lots of, uh, lots of, uh, rep sets. Sometimes, you know, rest pause sets, making sure it's the final number needs to be as big as possible. Not so much, you know, having super dense rep sets. Just make sure that you get to a certain high amount. Oh, okay. Freedom Thought says, watched your segment on dating. Story you read sounds a lot like my situation. Very few matches. And when I do, they rarely message back. Mm-hmm. I've had a handful of no-shows. Rural living, so the only place is the bar. Don't want that. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's this viral post from the other day where this woman, she's 33. She said, I was trying to help my brother who's 31 date. He was having a problem with online dating. And I said, you must be doing something wrong. So I'll take your profile. I'll put your pictures up. I'll set it up. And then I'll send out some messages to get things started for you and show you how to talk to women because clearly you must be doing something hmm. wrong. Then she said, I'm totally depressed now. <laughs> there's no there's no matches. There's no responses. Wow. Women won't talk to me at all. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong or why it's happening. How can men deal with this? This is a nightmare. For women, you get you get a response every time you send a message out. You get unlimited. You get massive amounts of matches. You, get, you can go through all the matches and I'm like, wow. You know, I think men don't understand how women have it. Women don't understand how men have it. But I do think men understand a little bit better how women have it than women understand how men have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just my perspective. Maybe I'm wrong. But I do think it's fascinating when you get these feminists saying, like, men have it so so much better than women. And I'm like, man, sure? five times the homelessness and five times the, five times the suicide. Suicide, death, you know, and war. Uh, 98% of combat death. Look, everybody's got good things and bad things. But I think perspective is important. And I think the issue is, one of the ways I've explained it is, men have no value at, at, as when they're young. They have no status, no strength. They're not, they're, not, uh, they're not adults. They don't have muscle mass. So there's like very little they can do in terms of lifting stuff or construction or planning things. So they're just considered less valuable. Women are prime value, this is according to evolutionary biology, because of they can have kids. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. I think, you know, we, we, we as a society have evolved beyond just being like we're baser, you know, just reproducing animals. But what happens then is we still have these tendencies from, from evolutionary biology that we overprotect women because they have higher value than men. And then we undervalue men because they can't do much for society based on, again, evolutionary biology. So things start to invert around 30 when men all of a sudden have wealth and status and career and women, you know, are no longer in their prime years for having kids. These are things that I think are bad we should consider. If you want to take the feminist approach and be like, women should be treated this way, you got it. Men shouldn't be treated this way either. So that means we need to make sure that younger men are getting a better shot at things and being treated well. And women, as they get older, are being treated well. Everybody has equal opportunity. However, there are natural tendencies because of human biology. And that what happens in dating? I think I think the data from OkCupid was that something like the top 10% of men are getting 80% of the women. Yeah. Women don't respond to average men. They have no interest in doing so, and it makes sense. If every guy messages every every woman they can, the women can scroll through and look for the best-looking guy and be like him and ignore everybody else. Mm-hmm. Men don't have that option. Yeah, and they've got to pick a litter again. Men have to be the hunters, the gatherers, the forgers, and it's a zero-sum game. You know, if you don't have a woman, then it's not like you're, uh, you know, a new woman's created for you. If you get a woman, then that means that's the one woman that 
uh, another guy is not going to get the date. So it's, you yeah. know, the competition is much higher. I kind of kind of yeah. treat it like a video game, man. Online dating is crazy. It's I have broken. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. Not right. Like well, I, I have no luck online dating. But when I meet women, I have insane. I mean, it's just it's easy. Stick to that. Cold cold well, yeah. it's the vibe. You know, you well, can't get that in a picture. It's or not a video. that. It's that when you go out to an event, a bar, a market, whatever, where you naturally meet people. People are walking around, and it's fairly um, 51% men, I mean, 51% women, 49% men. And let's say you're at, like, an amusement park or you're at a music venue, and then you see a woman, and you start having a conversation. Yeah, it's because you're, like, the guy there. You go up and say, hey, how you doing? And then she's like, cool, and you, you, you vibe. Online dating, literally every single guy is screaming at the top of their lungs, <laughs> I want a girlfriend, all at the same time. And the women are just like, uh, you, let's get out of here. So you have no chance to even say hello. No. Right? So yeah. online dating, that's why they did Bumble. Women message first. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a smarter move because then men don't it's spam message women. And yeah. the, the, the issue then still is though the OkCupid data that, you know, ugly, ugly and average women still try and message attractive guys. They go high. And they yep. go high. And unfortunately, we go low. I hate that's to right. say that, but. All right. Grayson Resident says, Tim, as an investor, please check your facts. Tesla earned $788 million last quarter. Regulatory credits excluded. Good point. Well, take that uh, into consideration, everyone else, and then Google it because I was just saying something I read in an article and not uh, uh, not well-versed on the Tesla stuff. Dutch, uh, Dutch R. Jen says, physicist here, most NG turbines burn gas directly in the turbine like a jet engine. Wow, no water needed. There you go. Helium nuke is 2P2N. Hydrogen is just PD versus H fusion is easier as it needs to make less N. CO2 is what plants eat. The world is getting greener. Well, there you go. And that's kind of what I said. Again, you know, carbon and carbon dioxide is really a problem because we have a system. Human human body exchanges carbon dioxide. Plants feed off of it. You know, they produce oxygen. We, you know, it's a cycle. Nature heals itself. Here's here's a good and uh, a good interesting and new question. Rudy C. Winslow says, Ian, what are you? What's your opinion on rights? Do you believe they are granted to us by God? I'm just kidding. Hmm. Don't answer it. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Our family video says, I love you guys, but technology isn't really within your scope. Looks at Ian. Please try to get Isaac Arthur SFIA. You could have amazing discussions on science and futurism, a truly epic crossover. Yeah, I, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm kind of a guy that knows a little bit about a lot of different stuff, and I want to highlight the really important things in society. So sometimes I get a little excited and, and talk about it <clears throat> a little bit more than I'm you know, comfortable with. I can't fault you for that. I'm the same way. Again, it's kind of a jack of all trades and kind of deal. Unfortunately, something just goes lacking sometimes, or sometimes you're not as well versed because you're spreading finite time on a bunch of different topics. I try to get the, know enough about it that if I if I sit down with an expert, I I know what they're talking about. You can hold your own at the very least. DJ Madero says, "Tim, Sarpech, Lids, and Ian, I once sent a super chat that asked you to read Arthur C. Clarke's 3001." Specifically, the sources and acknowledgments, chapter seven, debriefing. It talks about vacuum energy and what it means. It also ties into to Stargate. Interesting. Vacuum energy. Zero point energy. Dude, the, the source child proton. That's, what is that? It's Nassim Harriman's paper about quantum fluctuation, vacuum fluctuation. And every proton in the universe is two protons revolving around each other at the speed of light. And every proton, everything. He's calculated like 
done away with the strong force. And if you if you want to, I think he's basically solved Einstein's field equation of like a unifying field theory. It's called the Schwarzschild proton. Vacuum energy. We're going to get our energy from the vacuum. Jeez. Yep. Like the villain in um, The Incredibles. Uh, I, right. I can't remember him. Uh, what was his name? Syndrome. Syndrome. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Neo Ritter says, you need to watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Anime about two protagonists in diametrically opposed government systems. One, a dictatorship. The other, democracy. Watch the OG OVA first. You see, have you read Death Note or, or seen it? I got into it at some point, but I think uh, when L and uh, when L spoiler and alert. Met, oh, oh no, it's fine. We can spoil. It's a twenty. Is it what twenty <laughs> year old show? What are the rules on spoilers? I don't know. But when L and Light met, that was kind of where I I just got. It was like holy. Oh, God. dude, it's such a good show. If you're not familiar, you know Death Note, right? I've seen a few episodes. Yeah, yeah. switched and then you get a notebook and then you write someone's name mm-hmm. in it and they'll die as you say it as long as it's within the realm of possibility. So this dude basically says. He'll start, he starts watching the TV and then writing down the names of all these criminals. And if he doesn't give a reason, they have a heart attack because mm-hmm. he wants the world to know that criminals are dying of a heart attack. It's not, it's not a coincidence. And then L is just the world him as detective trying to track him down. But I bring it up because there is a new one shot with Donald Trump in it. There is a Donald Trump, there's a Death Note comic after the series where some kid gets a hold of it and then uses the dark web or something to auction off the Death Note. Now that everyone knows what it is, Donald Trump offers like an obscene amount of money for it, like 50 trillion or something, because he doesn't want other countries to get it. Literally, Donald Trump is in it. And then what he does, I'm not going to spoil it, actually. It is relatively new, and you should read it because it's hilarious. And it's like, it's a good comic, and Trump's in it. There you go. And you can <laughs> yeah. see how, how it plays out. It's interesting. What more could you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donald Trump, anime, all that good stuff. <laughs> Got it. We need it. We needed that Trump anime that never came. Mm-hmm. Poofy says Malcolm is literally swole Doge meme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. Can we get a pan over here? There you go. There you go. You got know. it. Mm-hmm. This ain't even my QB second weight. This is me in a streamlined form. Did you play all over the lineback- linebackers or are you playing the line? Linebackers and tight end. Although, again, tight ends, I actually got phased out at some point because we wanted the new sleek, fast models that run all the routes and catch. Did you play left, right, and center linebacker? Mm. Just move around. Um, pretty much just inside linebacker, but also when I started out with the outside linebacker, so designated pass rusher basically. All right, Harvey Slayer says we need journalists like you to create online profiles on every state federal politician and record their political stances, votes, scandals, and overall performance. The people need to be better informed so they can keep, uh, so they can hold them accountable. Is there a website that can show you all their votes? I'm pretty sure there is. Could be, should be a blockchain. Well, I think the issue is that it does exist. I think you can go to like congress.gov and stuff and, and or, or bill tracker, but they're not easy. Mm. I want to be able to see like, like a picture of all, of everyone in Congress and you can like click them and then it says latest votes and it's really easy to see. And latest bills, latest proposals, latest votes, latest news articles. And then when they get, uh, when they get voted out, we put them into like, you know, Hall of Fame, not Hall of Fame, just like historical record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go back and look at different politicians and what they voted on and, and it stores it. Yeah. I think we just need an easy streamlined uh, system that does like that. Like a smart contract blockchain. And it would have, it. and we would embed C-SPAN so that like even when you go there, you can see active voting mm-hmm. and then we would have staff who watch it and then enter it in in real time. I sure wish That'd we could cool. get Joe Biden's old voting records unsealed. 
That would be nice. <laughs> Are they actually some sealed? Of the nice, yes. Yeah, some of the Mummified. nice colorful stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love that. Did he seal them, or were they always sealed? Ooh, that's actually a question. I'm not, I'm no not idea. 100% sure. Political Defiant got me. He says, name of the anime you spoke of, it's Arafureta. From right, commonplace yeah. to world's strongest. Arafureta. I'm pronouncing it probably terribly. Also, if we go, if, also, if we do go towards nuclear, how do we deal with waste? In fact, what should we do with all the waste? Futurama, Futurama it to the sun. Yes. Tim, yeah. Ian, Lids, and Malcolm have a great one. <laughs> yes. Launch it into the sun. I guess the yeah. nuclear batteries, that's what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, nuclear mm-hmm. waste would be great. I mean, that nuclear battery idea is like, you know, that's, Mind-blowing. It, it kind of does away with centralized power grids that we'll all have our own battery. But, it's too, but that's the problem, though. It decentralizes it. Where are we mm. trending towards? Everything, people, you know, the powers that be will never allow that to happen. And you need funding to make it happen. M. Sheba says Obama was in the manga Air Gear as John Omaha. But I'm pretty sure in the Death Note one-off, it's literally Donald Trump. Call Donald name. Trump. In the presidential office saying, I want to buy the death note. It's, un- you know, I'll just tell you this. He doesn't get it. Wait, don't spoil it. Oh, no, I think he does. I think he does get it. I don't remember, actually. All I know is it would be amazing if they actually did a one-shot where it's Trump with the death note. Ooh. Mm. Well, oh, man, that would be a great skit where Trump's sitting there, like, by himself in the Oval Office, and he's like, Joe Biden is so awful. I'm going to write his name. Hillary Clinton should be in prison. That's her. What's got to happen is... And then he, he can manifest things other than just dying. He gets, so he gets the death note, and like lightning strikes, and he, he cleaves into two realities, one where he becomes evil with the death note, and one where he becomes just. Dude, speaking, cool. speaking of the two realities, man, I, I'm still mad that, you know, somewhere off in prime timeline Earth, President Alex Jones is sending <laughs> Secretary right. of Defense Michael Malice yep. to negotiate a treaty with China, and we're missing that. That's Prime Earth? That's so probably rude. Prime Earth. I'm, I'm sorry, we're Clowniverse 443. So, yeah, we are the Clowniverse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we were in Earth Prime, and then the Large Hadron Collider, you know, turned on in 2016 mm-hmm. and caused, you know, Earth Prime to shake and jostle between, oh. you know, some alternate realities. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. It wasn't that there was a clean jump to another reality. It was like all of a sudden a bunch of realities slammed together and random particles mixed. So all of a sudden it's like you have a little bit of random everything. Republicans become Democrats. Democrats become Republicans. Trump gets elected. I duck, duck, go. 2012 CERN. And the first thing that came up was, sorry, but we accidentally ended the world in 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. There you go. Oh, that's crazy. I'm sorry, but think about this. Though. The what, and scientists what in the world in What if everybody's actually living in pocket dimensions and Democrats it. are actually living in a dimension where COVID really is as bad as they think and we're in like the real and we're like in a different dimension where COVID's actually not that bad and you know, we're all free and then like, what if there's like this whole... The hollow fractographic universe? That's another yeah. Nassim Harriman theory. This we guy's should, a genius. We should do a spoof of What If. Have you guys seen What If Mm-mm. on Disney? Oh, yeah. I saw it. The Watchers watching all these different universes. Mm-hmm. We should we should make a spoof version of like, what if but real life? In uh, this universe, Donald Trump never won the election. Infinite, you have infinite material there too. Yeah. Oh my god! Like that actually would be really fun to do th- a real life political like what if 
what if Joe Biden didn't win and like Tulsi Gabbard became president? Reenact it. Put uh, put up yeah. a fan poll each week, and you know what episode would you like to see, and then like give them options. They choose which one, and we'll do. Uh, what if Ian Crossland started Tim Cast and then hired Tim Pool? Oh <laughs> yeah! Wow, that would, that would be tasty. Be a good one. Yeah. But it would be funny because you would literally be just wearing the same thing as me, yeah, and yeah, talking like me, and I'd be sitting there <laughs> be the talking about DMT and yeah. stuff. But that would be <laughs> surreal. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like that would still be surreal. Be My mind would be blown. Nice. All right, everybody, if you haven't already, give us a like, subscribe to the channel, and go to TimCast.com because that member segment's coming up maybe, uh, maybe around 11 p.m. or so. But uh, thanks for hanging out. Share the show with your friends if you like it. You can follow me at TimCast basically everywhere. You can follow the show for cool clips at TimCast IRL. Malcolm, you want to shout out anything? Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, first of all, obviously, uh, go follow me. I'm Return of the Flex on Twitter. And also, while you're at it, visit FlexYourSuccess.com. That's where you can find me on other social media. If you, I do all kinds of different coaching, advisement. You know, we can, you can fill out a form if you want to get into e-commerce and talk about it, that kind of stuff. And also, we're starting a decentralized network on Telegram of content proliferation started by L. And she goes by a name that's a little bit unclean, so I can't really say it <laughs> on here. But, Great, great person. We've got so many personalities that are too spicy for the world. I think we're up to like 30 something and we're growing and we're just spreading memes, information, dank content. You can send it wherever you want and get your information unfiltered. So it's like the coolest Twitter timeline that you've ever been a part of. Not on Twitter. That's awesome because we're building out the Fediverse right now. And that's something that could integrate into that system. I would love it. Excellent. All my yes. All right. Um, Hey, guys, love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for keeping me honest in the comments every day. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks, Ian. And you guys all know that you are, in fact, contractually obligated to click the like button when you watch our stream, right? All of you. We have 10,000, but we had like 33,000. I'm just kidding. It's fine. So hit a like if you like it because it does help in the algorithm. And if you would share it, we would appreciate that as well because you know they're all out to get us. Anyway, you guys are welcome to follow me at Sarah Patch Lids on Twitter, although I have achieved my goal of surpassing Sarah Patch Kids in numbers and I can die happy now. Thanks, guys. Don't rest on your laurels. I know, I know. We will see all of you over at Tim Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.